Hello everyone, welcome to the Cast. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And my name is Wendell Jones. And today we are talking about Fantasia. This is our ever-popular bootlegged segment where we look at an animated film. And uh, yeah, Fantasia. It's, it's quite a special one today. We... Um, we recently had, uh, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Ben wanted to do something that's really hard to talk about. And then I'm like, aha, I can one-up that. Uh, <laughs> it and actually so, turned out being really easy to talk about. It was just noir with some puppets in it, or with some <laughs> cartoons in it. Um, but yes, we are talking about Fantasia, which is um, one of the very early Disney movies. came out in 1940. And uh, it's a series of symphonic pieces, music pieces, uh, with animation in front of them, and so Ben and I are not particularly well versed in in music, and so we brought in a ringer to help us uh, understand this work. Fantasia today is at the behest of Wendell Jones. Wend, please, uh, thank you for coming on our show, and would you please tell us about yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Um, yes, so I am Wendell Jones. As I said, I am a podcaster. Um, it's mostly what I do these days. I sometimes <laughs> eat and sleep and shave, but not Overrated. often. Um, <laughs> exactly. So yes, I am a member of the podcast Sideshow Sound uh, uh, Theater. We have a podcast called Sideshow Sound Radio, where we talk about film soundtracks, uh, uh, Disney music, um, just about everything in the world of soundtracks um we also interview uh, film composers and writers and actors things like this um so on our show we have a few main shows one of those shows is mouse music um so anyone listening to this episode today might get a kick out of that uh in that show we will review a film uh we will take you into the parks and discuss an attraction uh and then we will give you a little disney music trivia uh, and we also have one of our, our flagship shows is the score guide where we will pick one of our favorite soundtracks, um, usually awful 90s films, um, but <laughs> there was a lot of good soundtracks in that decade. So yeah, um, we will take you through the soundtrack and we will try to be as entertaining and informative as possible, forever the balance. Um, so yeah, if that sounds like your cup of tea, then Go on over to sideshowsoundtheater.com. That's theater spelled T-H-E-A-T-R-E. And um, yeah, we hope to see you there. Enjoy the show. You really Wonderful, you yeah. really have this down going on, get, like <laughs> guesting on another pot. We didn't even have to like, you know, we get you. We barely to- have my name is Ben and my name is Zane. I don't even get that part right all the time, but you're just like, this is the time for plugs. I know the cue. We're good. <laughs> like I said, uh, I'm just in Jack in the Box mode. My microphone is here and I just wake up. And- here we go. <laughs> and uh, I, I really enjoy your score guide. I listened to the ones on the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean films and it was... Like you showed me a lot of things about the soundtracks, which I've always I've always loved those, but you made me understand why they were so good. Yeah, right. Thank you so yeah, much. And yeah, if, and if I may chime in here a little bit, um, so Zane is probably going to have an easier time like accessing what exactly it is you do. Um, he's pretty into mu- music theory, so I feel like he has a better appreciation for everything that goes into being a composer. I right. am an ent- a complete music Neanderthal. Uh, I like music to the same degree that I like desserts. Like, I know which ones I like and which ones I don't, and that's pretty much as far as I can do. He was in the percussion section. <laughs> don't, don't, you bring this, don't you bring the percussion into it. <laughs> I kept the beat. Uh, you needed sure that did. beat. Easy targets. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's it's 
incredibly flattering for you to come uh, by our dinky little podcast, given that you guys actually know what you're talking about, whereas we yes. sort of make it up, but you guys are actual composers doing composing stuff. It's always interesting to hear from from our listeners and our listenership, because a lot of them are, are non-musicians, and I... And, at least in our circle, a lot of the the uh, big soundtrack collectors are not necessarily musicians themselves. You know, mm. maybe they can play a few chords on the guitar, but who can't in 2018, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that it's great to hear their opinions and <laughs> try and balance, uh, um, you know, uh, this idea of not going too much into music theory, but then if you do understand a little of it, um, that is forever the balance and forever the line, and we hope it's as ent- entertaining to, to non-composers um, as Definitely. composers, which is why we do skits and things, just to keep it entertaining <laughs> and light and fluffy, and we don't take ourselves too seriously. Well, we're, we're lo- eagerly looking forward to your episode on Space Jam. Oh, man. Um, great. <laughs> that, uh, I have maybe my favorite musical number I am, I am in all of begging. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you're... Your approach actually makes it very accessible to a non-musically inclined person such as myself, um, yeah. because you can explain the stuff in a way that I hadn't thought about and not I wouldn't necessarily be able to connect to. And as we're going to see today when reviewing Fantasia, is that you can't really ignore animation for music or the other way around. They have much to we have much to learn from one another. <laughs> yes, we're we're stuck in plot and characters usually. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, like, well, they're important. <laughs> we self-describe this podcast as an eighth grade lit paper. You know, we try to dissect what the cartoon or movie in general is telling us. And I feel like your podcast does a much better of um, dissecting what it is showing us, you know, on a, on a very mm. sense, on a sense, on a sensory basis, rather than thinking mm. about it, you're kind of feeling it. And that makes a lot exactly. of difference. Uh, if I may ask, I am curious, how much do you guys uh, happen to edit in post? Because it all sounds like you guys know exactly what you're about to say and like can oh, time your sentences really well. So I, was, I listened to a few episodes and I'm, I'm like really impressed as a podcaster just because I know how hard it is to... <laughs> Try to line yeah, up what you're going to say with what it's all in the accent. You just open your mouth, and anything you say with a British accent sounds sophisticated. No, it's not true. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's not a plurality of British voices on your podcast it's most true, of the time. <laughs> no, 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 it's not at all. In fact, I'm uh, a lot more stupid than my accent suggests. Um, so fucking yeah, unfair. With, <laughs> you know, with, with with all our voices, what. It depends on the show massively. If there's more voices, everyone is talking over each other. And and typically with four or five voices, I think on our old Jurassic Park episode, there was six. And since that time, we've been careful never to match that number because editing is an <laughs> absolute nightmare. It's, it's more that um, if someone does talk over someone, then we'll give the person with the more... Um, the, just the best observation or the best gag we give them the the airtime mm-hmm. and then everyone else just gets shushed but yeah, in post sure. there's quite a lot it, with the music uh the vocal edit isn't too different you know will and i get into podcast mode we're just used to doing it after so many shows you know sometimes no but <laughs> the, yeah the, there's a lot of um 
how can I say this? If ever we just go on too long, that's what we get rid of. We notice with adjectives, like we catch each other. Like, Will, why are you saying fantastic all the time? And he's like, well, why are you saying brilliant all the time? And, you know, why are you using words like shant? And why are you saying shant instead of shant? And things like, you know, it, it, it digresses. But <laughs> we, we, there is a lot of work, but it's more in the music edit than the vocal edit. It's more just trying to time what, when we talk about cues in soundtracks, we're trying to time things around our notes mm. and that gets a bitch sometimes when we do the Star Wars special podcasts. Oh, it takes weeks of work. It's a long, long, long yeah. time. Um, yeah, you've given you've given me a lot to, to live up to in the edit of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be the same worry. kind of thing. Yeah, the thing is we do edit, but yeah. we very rarely actually cut anything out just because it's like... It's a lot of work. So, like, pretty much everything we say generally goes in. I've yeah. I've cut out some cruft. I mean, I but, um, I very rarely cut out cruft. I definitely know what you mean with uh, with the sheer number of tracks on our other podcast, Empowered. Getting like eight different people, all but it's it's useful because you can get you can silence people if they're talking over each other. Which, as you get eight people, it's going to happen. If anything, sometimes the more relaxed shows that we do are the more difficult in post because hmm. with this the the i don't know how familiar you are but with the school guys we have a very clear structure you know intro a few gags we introduce the release and then we go through the soundtrack track by track and then we have outros done you with also the, generally have some sort of hype man in the background like a robot <laughs> or some whistling bug or something I, I couldn't quite figure out what this was <laughs> yeah we um uh Claude, I think you're talking about. I think, yeah. I think I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about Claude, yeah. That's who that it's is. become a running joke. You know, when we did the Pirates of the Caribbean specials, we, we kind of Those kept Those are so Claude. good. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we were talking just before the show, Will was like, I'm not going to change the set because I asked him, you know, are you going to make Claude more piratey? Is he going to come on the show and he's going to be like, <laughs> arr, you know, <laughs> but... He was like, no, I think it's more funny if we just leave him mechanical and give no explanation. So that's exactly <laughs> what we did. So now there's just this droid and people are like, what? What's that? Like, I mean, <laughs> just put in some sounds of him sharpening a cutlass. It'll be fine. It's all good. <laughs> well, well, we just finished a um, like a, a, a musical, a, a film score um, called I Hate Halloween, ironically. <laughs> for Those us are my favorite we, episodes. We, I love your film score episodes. Thanks. Yeah, we we um we both write as a composition team as well. You know that I know it's a little confusing with the name. Sideshow Sound Radio is the podcast. Sideshow Sound Theater is the music we create, whether gotcha. it's the, the albums or, or scores we do. And we just finished that, and we love to get something in the scores that uh, you know maybe something that no one else will notice, but we can get in every score. And one of those things this time was like the sound of a, a pirate removing his sword from a scabbard, like a. Shh. Yeah, and, and I As said I to Will, that's a mostly mm-hmm. fabricated sound. Like that, it is, is yeah, not it actually is. <laughs> what happens. It's just been popularized. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it, so we we managed to get that into the film instead of a symbol crash. It's like mm. cleverly disguised. Um, so yeah, we're we're all about the pirates. But yeah, the <laughs> the show it, it it does digress. The format does help sometimes. But yeah, when you're on with friends, this is why we enjoy guesting on podcast and, and i'm sorry That's that he's awesome. not here but literally last night we were just finishing off the score and i think he's just deadbeat i kept asking yeah. him you know like 
we got to be on Zane's show. Come on. We promised him for so long. Like, every single week. Yeah, like, that and then? I'm, it's Zane's show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. you take it over. I feel like I started this show. I feel like it's just slowly morphed into Zane's show. <laughs> Sorry, Ben and Zane's show. Yeah. Um, don't, don't, don't patronize me, sir. Like, Ben and I, like, we started this just so that we could keep in touch more easily. We're fascinated that anyone else wants to talk to us, to be totally honest. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for slumming it. Honestly, today. like, no hard feelings toward Will. If he would want to come on on some later date for something else, our door is still always open, and it's going to be open again for you guys. So, for, for you, if you want to come back. Yeah, so, um, we should probably, uh, get started. Yeah. Just so that we. So, you know. so if you would like to warm up with a one empowered thing just to see if you like it, then I'd be pretty into that. Yeah, yeah. If it fails, All I'll right. just make it. We, we can just not do it. Up. Like if you ever feel like you said a thing that's not totally kosher, just tell us, and we'll just blank it out. I'm so easy. Everything that I <laughs> there's say, a lot of slurs on the cutting room floor. <laughs> everything that I say goes in because it's part of my character to sound like a big idiot. Um, but you know, if you want us to cut anything, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this and uh, Gandalf. That's what so we become. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is my role on this podcast to keep things vaguely on track. So yeah. I think that we should start. We probably should. We bullshitted <laughs> for about half hour. Let's get started. Um. Yeah. So if you have anything else to say, uh, ooh, I have something else to say. Overruled. I I heard you like Treasure Planet. <laughs> oh, I'll just leave for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the Lilo and Stitch episode. And I believe that I heard that you like Treasure Planet, and I wanted to grill you on that. <laughs> like all good uh, soundtrack listeners with collections bursting at the seams, us composers and soundtrack enthusiasts are very much guided by good soundtracks. And sometimes that sways our opinion <laughs> on the film itself. <laughs> so you um, did like the boy band intermission in the middle of that movie <laughs> right <laughs> it's coming back now right yeah I, I i also we are huge huge um fans of of pirate lore and pirate culture on the show as well so you know it, it's a little like the the pirates of the caribbean films in that sense you know i i almost don't care if they're bad and they keep releasing films i just like to live in that universe for a little bit longer Mm -hmm. um so yeah and i and i think that's almost the product of films today i mean i remember six months ago my wife and i we went to see uh, thor ragnarok and we came out of the cinema and we thought wow we really got our money's worth we really enjoyed ourselves there was a lot of laughs um and at the same time we thought back on the story and thought it well, was a bad, was it? It was know? A bad <laughs> nothing <laughs> happened i was very unimpressed by thor ragnarok <laughs> it was yeah and uh, i mean for us we we felt very strange about that because yes we did enjoy ourselves and we didn't feel like it was a huge waste of money i, I mean then again in mexico we pay nothing for films it's like <laughs> a dollar to go and see the same movie that that you guys see so buy the theater for 20 i mean you know <sighs> am i being culturally insensitive now i I don't really know. I, I, I mean, maybe if maybe if I was back in England and paying, you know, upwards of twenty dollars each, Ew. each, oh yeah, and maybe I wouldn't like it. But uh, yeah, it's we're living in that strange time now where they're 
if they can make people laugh a few times, then they're going to go back in the audience. And that's true. I don't know how I feel about that because I enjoyed myself. But when I think about the story and the plot and the setting and the mm. characters, I'm like, oh, well, where were they? So, yeah. It loses, <laughs> like, there's, there's not a modern concept of elegance in movies, it doesn't feel like. The, the, like the elegant of a, a simple, well-told plot. Um, Nothing I, is timeless anymore. I'm not seeing it, that mm. happen much anymore. And, um, and I think it's just because, like, people still see movies the same frequency, but there's so many more. And everyone now has to watch, you know, two or three Marvel movies a year. So that sort of eats up. You have to. <laughs> you're you're forced to. How are you going to they, they come figure to your house out with what a gun. Doctor Strange's little bon mot in between the <laughs> Captain America fight sequences meant? You won't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that is that is a product of it. I think as well, there's something to be said for, at least in my opinion, uh, which is all I can give. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that for most most creators and writers, I think they get a little too lost in this, I don't know where it's come from, but in the last few decades, this idea of constantly seeking originality in everything. Mm. And it's it's too much. Like, that's not what stories even used to be about. Like, it's just a simple retelling of however many stories there are. What, eight or nine, they say? Um, that's fine. Just, like, retell that and put Jane Eyre in space and, you know, put... <laughs> <laughs> put sp- Space Jam next to the Muppets or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> I, think, I that- think they already did that. I they think did, yeah. just the monsters. There's Muppets now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I think, yeah, just, just, I, I feel that constant quest for originality and, and getting too bogged down in that is, is causing some bad writing these days. I think mm-hmm. on, I honestly feel that if they just focused on, on telling a good story and maybe it comes close to other things and that's okay. I'm not looking for originality at every second. Um, I just want to be entertained and, you know, have a good, something I can relate to a little and that's it. Well, that's this leads, this leads nicely into, um, you know, Fantasia, because when it was originally released, it was seen as this bold, new, original idea. And they went on a tour showing people this movie. And they were like, oh, we're going to, you know, cycle in new pieces and take out other ones. And, you know, I enjoy it for what it is. I'm not sure if it's something, you know, if it came out now, if I would go to see it. Well, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you, you hear about Fantasia and it's, it's like, oh, what an imaginative new idea. They're using like Fantasound and they, you know, have <laughs> the then legendary uh, uh, Leopold Stakowski. Stakowski. I, I don't know how to pronounce names that aren't my own. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of evidence for that, by the way. <laughs> like years of evidence. But, uh, you know, there... I've been sitting here thinking, is it Bean or Ben? <laughs> or No, I'm joking. <laughs> the, there is kind of this impression that Fantasia was such a uh, wild experimental risk. And that's kind of only half true, because as you said, it's retelling of a bunch of stories that people already know, but to a new audience. And this is mm-hmm. something that Disney kind of likes to do, is they take that experimental edge. They're like, what can we do that's new, but using old stuff? And they would occasionally do it later on, like with the uh, the animation renaissance in, in the late 80s with uh, DuckTales, where, you know, they put a lot of cash into something that it didn't, you know, it cartoons that were syndicated weren't, you know, it wasn't really done before. But at the same time, they weren't really doing anything that was unfamiliar. They were just putting their money and focus in a more effective way. Um, so I think this is sort of Disney's MO after a fashion. It's... 
not entirely creating new content. Like, this is all using music that has stood the test of time, but it's doing it in a new, unique way. Right. Right. That's the thing. I, I think that people... When people say they like Star Wars, there's often, you know, very shared points. I think when people say they like a film like this, they like it for different reasons. Maybe they just like seeing the dawn of animation. You know, it gives them nostalgia. Maybe they enjoy this kind of uh, Peter and the Wolf presentation of, of just introducing the orchestra. You know, I mean, I always think of this film as a great, film for children in that sense not only to introduce them to animation but to introduce them to um, just understanding the orchestra and music and just that marriage of, of images and and, and soundtrack uh, i mean the soundtrack has an appearance the soundtrack is a character in this movie like it gets it's oh, like, like deadpool before deadpool like presentation it, of a character but a character nonetheless <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's, it's almost like the 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 DNA strand in Jurassic Park. It's exactly like um like Mr. DNA is that what was his name? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he had a name. That was a character that he was in the credits. My favorite part of this whole movie aside from the source of apprentice which we'll get to um is the composer having to put on a jovial face to talk to the to talk to Mickey or the soundtrack because it's very clear <laughs> that he's uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. You, you watch the orchestra. Don't don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at me. Be confident. Anyway, oh, no, it's it's uh, yeah, great. I I think that this was i don't know about you guys you can tell me what one of those films that i didn't see from fully from start to finish until i was probably in my late teens early 20s literally um, two days ago man ah. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sure we watched it a lot you know as children you'll put them in front of the box and let them be amused by the swirling colors but yeah i would watch right this. You know. my mom would tell me that i would watch this like at least two times a day when i was that of that age you know <laughs> and i would to such a degree that with the opening you know um Takata and fugue am i saying that right yeah Takata we'll and fugue yeah. um you know with, the, with fug you <laughs> <laughs> Fugue you. Forgot uh, about it. Uh, the the colors that would show up in in response to the instruments playing, I actually had them memorized as a kid. I'd be like, okay, now yellow, then red, then blue. Like I, <laughs> that, that was that's the degree boy. to which I yeah, <laughs> focused on very strange things. Yeah, that, that get Mickey out of here. I want to see more colors. <laughs> um, but that's the degree to which I'm familiar with it. I, I didn't actually yep. come to it later. I somehow remembered this only as Sorcerer's Apprentice because that was, you know, the most yeah, well, obvious in pop of, culture. There's parts of this that appeal to different ages. And like you said, it's a weird thing to watch this straight through because mm-hmm. kind of just pick the one that suits you best. Yeah. You know, it's 20 minutes and then you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, what I felt about watching it recently, I mean, in preparation for this podcast, I, at least to go back to Takada and uh, Fugu as we'll call it from now on. <laughs> I think that it's it's an, imp- an importantly simple start. Um, I mean, it, maybe it's the most accessible because of the color. You know, it's not storytelling with image, but rather the animation in support of the music. Mm-hmm. So, it's, I, I mean, I get the sense that there is a kind of overall narrative that they're pushing. And, and whether that works in, in a strictly film format, then that's for 
each of us to decide separately. But yeah, I, I, I do appreciate the pacing a little now that I'm that I'm older, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, even for most uh, uh, music aficionados, these pieces are very popular and played in concert halls constantly, you know, sure. so they're, they're not dragged on by the music. Like the, you have to rely on the animation as well to get you through. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, I do sense that, I do think it has pacing issues a little later on. Some sequences work better than others, but that's uh, certainly yeah, like, true. I, I'd go to my favorite. Yeah. Every yeah, time. Yeah. And, I think that's how you have to treat this film. I mean, there's it. I think it knows that. I mean, there is an intermission. Um, <laughs> there is in, in the middle of the film, like a, a very a self-aware a intermission. Yeah, I mean, in what in what other film sesh. would you have this? Can Can you imagine seeing actors like walk off the set? Um, you know, and just start riffing <laughs> off each other, smoke start break jamming. on stage, just yeah. like Ugh. you, you like basically a, have Deadpool. It is like it, 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 it breaks through the fourth kind of wall thing. and smashes the fifth a little bit as well. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Beethoven's fifth. <laughs> Gross. Oh, um, so I, yeah, I, I, um, I tend I tend to agree, and I do think that you're right that this whole that Fantasia as a whole has a general message, um, and I want to hmm. say a little bit more about that in a second. But let's let's talk about whatever production is left and then yeah, start leading into things. Through, uh, I have a, a He's got thing. a spiel. Um, so Fantasia, produced by Disney, uh, in 1940... Wait, really? Disney? The, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> uh, the story was done by Joe Grant, who left Disney in f- 1949, came back in 89 to shepherd in the Disney Renaissance <laughs> um, with the you know, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Dick Humor, and together they co-wrote Dumbo. So, you know, these these were guys who were in the thick of it during those early days. Dick Humor, uh, notably, uh, founded College Humor. <laughs> no? Okay, keep going. Most of the pieces in Fantasia were written by classical composers and, uh, as you said, conducted by Leopold Stokowski and played by the Philadelphia uh, Orchestra. Yep. Uh, and uh, Stokowski is known for amending famous works uh, for a more general audience. So this... This, uh, it makes sense that he would take charge of something so experimental. Uh, I personally would like to thank him for amending the uh, Romeo and Juliet fantasy overture so that it ends quietly, because that always bugged me. <laughs> <laughs> he apparently didn't take any money for this gig. He said he would do it for free. Uh, oh, I didn't know from, that. From what I understand, he, he agreed to compose it for free. And uh, there's actually a really charming image of him and Walt Disney looking over storyboards, uh, trying to get the Takata and Fugu, uh, you know, kind of try to act it out ahead of time yeah or maybe something else i can't remember which which one um if i may say something uh fantasia's tagline i think is pretty important music you can see and pictures you can hear this was kind of the uh the thought process behind this work of art uh the conceit on its face disney's conceit was to boost mickey's popularity mickey mouse and cast him um for the deluxe cartoon the sorcerer's apprentice and you know that was just kind of how this thing started, but as they started adding more things to it and realized that in order to make their money back, they would have to come out with kind of a collective of things. <laughs> the idea that Fantasia needed to make its money back is fantastic. That's, that's so insane. Like, they made this one short around Mickey, and they're like, how do we make our money back? We need to put, put out other bullshit movie. in there. Get a composer it's, on it. We don't know. We're Disney. It's like, it's like the producers. Like, it doesn't sound real. <laughs> it really um, doesn't. Yeah, but they... They said it's this is a new form of entertainment. They called it a Fantasia. Like this was supposed to start something, and really nobody, 
no, nobody else kind of jumped on. They until wanted to Fantasia do it in Smellovision, Zane. Well, it, it it was the first commercial film produced in stereo, or as you said, Fantavision. Um, and uh, the sequel, Fantasia 2000, of course, came out at the end of 1999. Yeah. Um, that is my production. That is, <laughs> that, go, go, I'm done. I'm done talking. Yeah, I, I think that's really all there needs to be said about it. Um, the main thing that I think this... Fantasia is trying to do. I know that it was built up because of Sorcerer's Apprentice, but I think that what it became was this sort of medley of a bunch of ways that animation and music can kind of coexist and even benefit from each other, even be symbiotic, which is a thing that, you know, was started with kind of Steamboat Willie and those old those old shorts as they kind of realized that animation was here to stay. And um, really pushing the envelope and seeing how it can interact with music and vice versa in a bunch of different ways. And that's the continuous theme that I'm going to keep coming back to as we introduce each each little thing. But yeah, uh, that, that's all I have to say about preamble as well. Yeah, I, I know this will really tick a lot of, and feel free to exchange that synonym, but this will really tick a lot of people off. In, it's good for uh, music lingo. Like a metronome. <laughs> Especially in the purist world. But yeah, I always say, and I, I'm just talking about the animated sequences here, but I always say that this is my favorite silent movie. Um, mm. not, not to say I don't enjoy others, but uh, yeah, I treat it that way. And I, and I don't think it's, I think it is pushing, but it's pushing an idea that has always existed. I mean, composers in general, at least in my experience, I I usually inspired by visuals more than other music, whether they're scoring to picture or, you know, they're, they're just sat with their loot at home. Um, <laughs> whatever, whatever. I don't Open know why a I thought of it. of brandy and let the memes come. Right. <laughs> I love the idea of a drunken loot player. That'd be great. That's a great story. Um, <laughs> oh, you're going to love the sixth symphony in this one. <laughs> <laughs> the little Dionysus and his wait, what is Bacchus and his donkey Jacchus, right? Are you right. kidding me? <laughs> he has a name. They don't say it at any time because there's no dialogue, but they all have names. Um, I looked it up in a uh, there's, there's like a, a website devoted to kind of official Disney fan club, which is d32 or d23.com, and it's 15 fascinating facts about Fantasia. And yeah, uh, everything <laughs> has a name in this, even though they're almost none of them are said. <laughs> <laughs> and the donkey's name is Jackus. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's pretty good. Think, yeah. Also, but, you're using uh, yeah, brilliant. For the visual. <laughs> for the visuals, <laughs> honestly, really, with. Of course, composers are inspired by music, but, but what I mean by that is it's just kind of pushing that idea that if when, when these. A lot of these pieces, these works were created. It, they were in, inspired by some kind of story. You know, it's all storytelling, even the smallest piece. Maybe it's not well known, but uh, every composer has some kind of idea in mind. You know, whether it has a, uh, you know, a, a narrative, it might have some kind of plot idea in mind. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it, it's just really pushing that idea. And, and the personification of instruments is, is always fascinating to me. I think everyone does this instinctually, whether it's just from... Um, watching a lot of scores and associating certain sounds with certain instruments, or mm. just some kind of musical prejudice, as we can call it that. I, I mean, I, I think always—that's what it is in my case. 
the, I, I always say the saxophone is like it doesn't really strictly belong in the orchestra from a, from a symphonic <laughs> sense, but you he know I like always Looney consider to me, but just because of yakety sax. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, 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 it's always in there. It's loud. It comes in when it's not wanted. It doesn't shut up. It's kind of, it has this very arrogant presence, you know, and the flutes, you know, over there, timid, like pissing her pants. And, at the, <laughs> at the, you know, and I think that, that uh, you know, you've got the, the comedy duo of the bassoon and tuba. And I think everyone does this instinctually, whether they realize it or not. What they don't realize is that, that's exactly what composers are drawing from when they're thinking of these pieces, yeah. you know? Huh. It, it Just go to Peter and the Wolf and listen. Like, every instrument has a color. When you use, just a quick example, when you use a flute in its low range, it has a very haunting quality. And so it, a composer isn't just rolling out a dice and saying, oh, I got to use contrabassoon now. No, they're thinking about <laughs> they the have color. Reasons. Yeah, that's <laughs> the overall uh, color. Ben, we right. should definitely, for any convention we do, go as the comedy duo of uh, tuba and bassoon. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Guess which one you are. <laughs> I, I don't have the hips for a tuba. <laughs> I, uh, um, I really like this idea of composer synesthesia. Do you, like, mm. if you see, like, a beautiful sunset or something, do you just start hearing things that you would compose like what what's the process well there? i hear binary sunset but um yeah i think honestly for that's a star wars joke um <laughs> i think for 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 most people <laughs> oh there, god it was a real bad star wars joke thanks <laughs> we wouldn't have known if you didn't say it yeah i would right, let right. it go <laughs> but i think that not everyone maybe approaches from that sense a lot of composers will just hear something in their head but i think a lot of it's in in the subconscious like you you do move to certain sounds and certain ranges deliberately for that reason so i think that the fantasia is just a, a projection of that it's a projection of what the the composer's process is yeah. you know um as we go so through it would you mind like telling us if there is any particular visuals that you see that like you feel like maybe it should have been done a different way like you're seeing a different instruments in your head or or something like that if anything like that strikes you i want to know about it because i i don't have that impulse as for me my uh knowledge of music is wide but not very deep so you know i've heard all of these pieces sort of in a foundations of music uh class um but and you know i can i can tell like oh the general sound is trying to accomplish this here um, but we'll be we'll be tapping you for specific uh, information. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Like I won't be able. So get tapped. I probably won't <laughs> be able to tell you when a oboe is not a clarinet. So I mean, like it's literally all on you guys for this. <laughs> and uh, and I'm curious. Do you have any pieces of music that you think deserve the Fantasia treatment? There were a couple that got cut, as I understand. Mm-hmm. And then a lot mm. of more modern ones made it into Fantasia 2000. So yeah. Yes. Rhapsody I, in Blue, I think, was a great inclusion in that. Yeah. Oh, that's my favorite sequence out of the two it's, films. Yeah. It's so good. It just captures it. It's right. The thing is with jazz, I mean, you've got all this, obviously, more syncopation. It's more off the beat. There's more chance for, for hit points. And those who don't know hit points, you know, if you think of, like... Uh, Roadrunner, you know, <laughs> speeding off and and you know falling off a cliff, and then a piano lands on him, and the music will go. That's a hit point. So <laughs> there's a lot more chances to do hit points with jazz music, and I would love to see a lot of uh, uh, jazz songs, you know, be part of Fantasia. But maybe like honestly, take five. Ah, that'd be interesting. It'd be tricky. 
Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. a jazz thing in Fantasia not being tricky, though. It feels <laughs> that's, that's on true. brand, right? It, it's nothing that Disney couldn't handle. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> so, a, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> These days, it actually might be. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I would love to have seen a, a, a Fantasia just do uh, Holst the Planets. Um, yeah. That like would Jupiter, be fantastic. Why that hasn't happened yet, I don't know, but... Um, I'm sure that would make the shortlist. Yeah. Like, it's so recognizable and and just kind of everywhere. This yeah. uh, this is, is going to be the first instance of... You guys are talking about a music thing that I don't know about. Um, <laughs> so do you want to clue me in? Give me some humming. <laughs> Baby got back. Did, did, what, I, is that, <laughs> it's, that's close. All right. Well, I assume like, that it's Baby Got Back, and I agree that it should be in Fantasia. <laughs> Looking for a mashup. Looking. Uh, anyway, at the at the cost of uh, getting to just rap about whatever with you for as long as I would love to, um, you know, let's <laughs> yeah. uh, let's actually get going uh, and start in with, uh, I guess, just uh, he he introduces it himself yes, a little bit. So the the MC of this piece of, of Fantasia is Deems Taylor, who was a, a music commentator known as the Dean of American Music. He was he was very recognizable at this point in time as sort of a music aficionado. And so it's it would be like, uh, you know, today we would be watching, I don't know, like uh, Justin Timberlake narrate this. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, He's got a you know, lovely Michael Jackson voice. in his time. He's got a lovely, uh, resonant, appropriate voice for this kind of thing. He kind of like, it, it evoked kind of a P.T. Barnum sort of step right up kind of thing to me. Like mm-hmm. he's just very good at selling this concept, you know? Yeah. We went into this new form of entertainment, Fantasia. Yeah, such a he's, good. Sell. He's all in. Yeah, they don't make salesmen like this anymore. Uh, and the orchestra warms up, which is always a lovely. Like, I love hearing that. I have like that natural instinct. Like, ooh, good stuff's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have the like... natural instincts of, oh crap! I just turned the PlayStation on. Like that's. What <laughs> <I hear. laughs> well, you get to you get to listen in, and sometimes you can hear little little motifs that they're just making sure they have down, and you're like, oh, that's going to be in the music later. I can tell. Yeah, it's like a postmodernist overture. Yeah, that, it's, it's like, spoilers. It's a spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, j- just since you brought a PlayStation, I am curious. Did you happen? Are, are you ever kind of uh, in the realm of uh, critiquing or reviewing scores of video games? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and um, I was I was going to mention it actually in this 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 episode. Oh. There's, there's there's a note later on about uh, <laughs> we can wait for it if you like. music. So yeah, Ooh. no no no, absolutely yeah. It's something we don't get to talk about on the show that much because the other guys aren't really gamers. Um, mm. so yeah, well, but yeah, absolutely. Nice. Cool. Well, let us know when it comes up because I do want to hear it. Awesome. Do you want to hear what you have to say about it? Um. But yeah, this uh, he starts in by saying that there's three kinds of music in Fantasia, the kind that tells a definite story, the kind with no specific plot but does paint specific images, and then the kind that is music for its own sake. And this first part is definitely music for its own sake, it seems like. Yes, we start with the classic Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Johann Sebastian Bach. Um, Toccata refers to very fast virtuoso playing, and fugue is the repeated themes in different voices, which is offset in time. Um, Accounts differ as to when it was first written, from 1704 up to Bach's death in 1750, somewhere in that range. 
um, and it is generally used in culture to symbolize evil or menace, as we know from uh, Davy Jones' theme from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it, it, I do remember that now. Um, I think that the message for this particular piece is pictures you can hear. You know, that's the that's kind of half of their mission statement for Fantasia, and this one feels like pictures you can hear, because they're giving you splashes of color, they're giving you silhouettes against a background, as well as uh, music to punctuate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ex- like I, I mentioned, it's it's a good accessible start. It it's it's weird that he that uh, old Deems, what, what a name. Um, he's kind of telling you what's going to happen um, mm-hmm. before it happens. Um, yeah, I, maybe that worked in 1940. It doesn't work for me in 2018. I made it feel like Unless an opera. <laughs> yeah, kind of weird. It gives you a, it gives you sort of an idea of how long the next piece is gonna be. As well as, like, it's teaching you, right? The audience needs to be taught what to look for. It's right. also kind of telling you how antiquated 1940 is. Like, this was probably, like, <laughs> oh, what a, what a cordial sort. You know, that that's how the audience would treat this. But, like, we're it's just like, true. we'll get it when you show us it. Like, it's it's just a very yeah, different way of looking at stuff. doing something different, you know, to err on the side of caution. It's very Disney, and, the, the, you know, mm-hmm. that is a good thing. But, um, yeah, when I watch it now. Well, like you said, you know, he's telling you what's coming up, and I'm like... Oh, to Cod and Fugue. All right, I'm going to make a tea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know this one. (laughs) Yeah, so I I, I think that... um, uh, Yeah, but it's a good start. It's very accessible, like I said. You know, the color and sound. And I I think maybe it would bore some kids, but I... But I do think it's a good introduction. You know, as soon as they see color and they hear a little bit of music, I'm talking about very, very young children. Mm. I think it's a, a really, really good introduction to the orchestra and animation and how they work together. And yeah, it, it's a it's a good start, and this is a good um, opener. And I like how early it was. I like how it wasn't just you know modern or romantic pieces, mm-hmm. um, because again, you know, the rhythms a little more structured and on the beat the further you go back into into the classical realm uh which will allow for you know different animation um and even you know you will get the lights going up and down as the notes go up and down yeah there's like it's yeah two kind it's of parts you in a very to this. Way. There, there's there's the part where there's just kind of flashes of light and color and and very specific kind of geometric shapes as well as silhouettes and for that part, I, I wasn't really tuned in. You know, I was like, "Yeah, Bach is fine. Yeah, colors are great." Um, but I'm not really seeing how they kind of, kind of help me with the other one. Right. It's like fuck you and Bach off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you've made it into the Fertoni Awards. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was really um, good. I wish I had a bell. Uh, but but the second half of it is like this is when like the the images start to mimic what the instruments are doing. Like the the violin bow with like the raindrops, it actually does look like somebody kind of ripping on a on a violin with their with their bow there, and even looking like yeah. it's on treble and clef kind of. So there's sort of a um, a synergy between them as opposed to just like one being there and the other one also being there. It's it's telling you like what role each section has. The strings cut through the textures. The brass create a wall of sound. Um, and there's little other things that teach a lay audience, you know, how music works. So, like, there's flashing lights during the, the beats, and then there's extra flashing on the downbeats. It's like, oh, that one's more important. Yeah, and, and to be honest, that's the point at which I was like, that's all I've, I've gotten enough out of it. Like, at this point, I literally said to myself, but where's Mickey? 
Um, I, I just I didn't remember that there. <laughs> and were I thought be... we hated Mickey. <laughs> well, that, he's what I wanted. He's what I'm showing up for. Like Ma- Mickey in his current incarnation is venomous, but Mickey in his <laughs> little 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 wizard robe. You know that I'm I'm pretty into that. But and at this point, I was just you know. I see what they're doing, but in all honesty, I would rather just listen to music or look at paintings and not both at the same time. So after yeah, a little bit I of would, this, I got pretty bored. I'm, I'm with you on that. I would, I would, <laughs> I would rather. I'm such a big Trekkie, so everyone take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> but I would rather watch the Vija <laughs> sequence in Star Trek: The Motion Picture <laughs> than this opening. Yeah, but it's also because I'm a big Jerry Goldsmith fan. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it is a good start. It is accessible. And again, it's good. you know, yeah, it's a slow on, build. on repeat viewings, maybe our opinion is a little skewed, but someone watching this for the first time might, well, might they, be dragged they, along. They made Fantasia thinking they would take some out and put some in. So I think this would be one of the first ones they would take out just because it's not very engaging on a st- story or structural level, but it, it, it does give that entry point. I think it, I think it is mostly to just kind of wake you up. It, it's, it's getting you to start thinking about these different concepts of music and animation and how they can work together and it does do that well we can move on to the next piece then yes um the nutcracker suite by tchaikovsky yeah this is my laundry folding music (laughs) (laughs) why (laughs) i don't know i just i'm used to it you know like you've heard nutcracker everywhere it's just it's 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 very zen it premiered in 1892 and the ballet itself was not as popular as the 20-minute suite that was later taken from it and it's abridged here but you you listen to each different section and they're all like super famous like themes Mm -hmm. that uh that happy dancing mushroom sequence to what was it the um i can't remember which which dance the chinese dance it was chinese Chinese dance dance, yeah yeah. i actually remember that referenced in an episode of rocco's modern life of all things (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, weirdly enough and i'm just like i know that's from something and it only clicked like a few days ago and i was uh, as i was thinking about it this is all these different segments are actually pretty famous as fantasia segments yeah i i'm full credit to the animators for getting mushrooms to look like human-like and 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 yeah that's one of my favorite sequences of this yeah Mm -hmm. and this was this was one of the conceits they said okay everybody knows the nutcracker everyone knows the story let's take the fact that people like this music and make something completely different so we have a a much more naturey theme to all of these we get sort of the progress of time through the seasons we get mushrooms we get flowers we get fairies um, it's completely different from what you would think of as the Nutcracker. Yeah, and it is that kind of message of you. I think the message of this section is using animation allows us to sell music to a whole new audience. Um, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't recognize this music from literally anywhere else. I've never seen Nutcracker. I'm aware that it exists, <laughs> but uh, I, I tell you where you where might recognize a section of it, and it's the the, the holiday flight queue from Home Alone, where yes. they're late for the airport. <laughs> yeah, I, I listened to that episode uh, recently to, to to prep for meeting you, and uh, yeah, I recognize it. I'm like, I just listened to this in Fantasia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that soundtrack is just blew our mind we're like i couldn't believe it okay kevin's theme is on the tuba he has a theme and it's on the tuba (laughs) of all places and it kind of sounds like luke skywalker's theme Mm -hmm. what (laughs) yeah uh, if if we have fans go listen to the sideshow sound radio episode of home alone because it's really good thank you thank you yeah and come back here after you're done (laughs) (laughs) yeah pause this (laughs) go do that and then come back 
Welcome back. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like this better than the last one, but it's because of my animation bias. I like watching a story unfold, and this is much more close to not really a story, but specific imagery at least. And that's something. Um, it's it's still very slow and unfolding. You know, you watch flowers bloom, you watch rain go down, you watch you watch fish try to seduce me. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing about this movie is how frequently it wants me to like find animals sexy. Yeah, not to slut shame, but I know what I'm being pandered to here. <laughs> like I expect this from anime, but not that fish is like, wearing lipstick and like you know pasties and I don't know, man. Yeah, there's a lot of. 1940 wrapped up into this. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good way of putting it. <laughs> That's the nicest way I can put it. Yeah, I think it's. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, for all these pieces, I mean, of course, I love the Ducaspis, I love the Sorcerer's Apprentice, but in in my in when I'm listening to music uh, uh, just by myself, I I do listen to a lot of the the kind of Russian school of composers, so I'm always drawn to them a little more, no matter how popular the piece, and I think. In this whole film, it's very hard to pick a favorite animated sequence without being guided by your favorite music. I think oh, yeah. that's a problem for me with this. Um, but yeah, I felt it was a little slow as well at times. I think the pacing might also be something from 1940. We're genuinely used to a quicker pace in certain yeah, sequences. Yeah, this, this is days. a whole day affair. You know, bring the kids. You know, th we're going to see a movie. What, a cinematic picture? <laughs> like, you're there for the long haul. Yeah, or just to keep warm, right? Yeah. It's a <laughs> <laughs> it was a very cold time. <laughs> um, what, what's your favorite uh, movement from this, uh, from the Nutcracker suite that they do here? Man, I, I like fun mushrooms, but I think Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. I mean that that music, the the bells with the with the um, with the fairy lighting up the little uh, lighting up the flowers. I feel like that's very accurate. Like if I had music synesthesia, composer synesthesia in the way that you do, I feel like this is what would come <laughs> to mind. Um, those it, that image is very closely married with those sounds in my head. When you, <laughs> I, I'll also hey, mention you when you have like excellent like podcaster etiquette. You like move away from the mic whenever you're not talking, so that you don't like accidentally breathe into it or anything. <laughs> well, I mean, I deliberately use um, a dynamic microphone just so I can oh, yeah. sniff mm. and fart and you know all those excellent. things. Excellent. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Feel free to expound upon that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Let's get we a got few all takes. night. Let's get a. <laughs> I joke about that, but I Way to work I have this story of because I have a sound engineering background. I I, I used to produce artists and record people, and um, I don't know if you know about ribbon microphones. Um, probably not much, but they're these very delicate, you know, vintage. Mi they still make some, but vintage microphones that are that are so fragile, and like you can literally fart on these things and destroy <laughs> the capsule inside man i want to slow mo like, youtube of this happen. even if you like move the ribbon microphone like down in your hand like too quickly it's gone and these things are oh expensive gosh. like i mean even man. the cheapest one is like uh, two thousand american dollars like right now so anyway um yeah so i <laughs> i'll leave that story to after the podcast but anyway <laughs> no it's fine you just have so much information that we don't i know <laughs> we get excited we get excited oh he's telling us about this cool you know no, this normally cool, I have uh, to, restaurant he went to normally i have to like <laughs> you know rain zane in from diving into a wikipedia hole but now we're both in a wendell hole <laughs> And I, and I don't know how to deal with it. 
<laughs> oh, can we patent that? <laughs> oh, good. Um, yeah, that should I, be I mean, your I, next I, podcast, by the way. <laughs> the Wendell Hole. <laughs> but yeah, uh, anyway. Yeah, so I, I use a, a, dynamic, a dynamic mic. If you know anything about um, uh, Mexico, then it's a very, very loud place. I'm surprised they have the word silent in the Spanish language. Um, As I so understand yeah, I use it, a they're dynamic planning mic. to buy a hmm? wall for us at some point that's the only thing i know uh, about mexico at this point at this juncture yeah i think the checks in the probably, mail on that uh, yeah i think <laughs> they'll be willing to do that just to kind of trap america in, you know like, like yeah let's do it it sounds like a great idea no yeah no thanks <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll put a style for people who want to get from cuba to florida but yeah we'll <laughs> <laughs> We'll build a rotunda um, across the. <laughs> I know. It's across like, the Pacific. Do, do you even know Mexicans? Like Mex, <laughs> not that we're like moles, but Mexicans tunnel. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter how the cartels deep already that... set up the tunnels. We might as well use them. It doesn't matter how right how there. deep that war gets. Like we'll just turn it underneath. You know, it's not. <laughs> It's not journey to the center of the earth. Like, well, anyway. Um, but yeah, favorite what were you saying? Mushrooms. Yes. Um, so, my, like I mentioned, my favorite, my favorite part is is mushroom. The mushroom sequence, the Chinese dance. Just I really because, like, like mushrooms. Being, being able to and you know animate those is great. I still get a kick out of seeing that. Uh, and that's what I'm looking for when I'm looking for for favorites now and rewatches. I'm looking for things that you know I, I don't tire of. You know, I'm 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 not distracted by anything in the room you know i'm not distracted by people farting on ribbon microphones i'm not <laughs> you know i'm I, i'm yet? genuinely intrigued by um uh, you know whose idea that was who animated that um and how they started with that and and like you said saying you know this this whole idea of, of not doing the typical nutcracker suite and trying to do something different is is great um they yeah they apparently Mark. credited the three stooges as a guide for animating the dancing mushrooms which i think is pretty special because <laughs> yeah. you got the one little one just trying to keep up well, and the others are like, eh, move a chow ahead there, there's so many like little dance sequences of this that they actually brought in you know actual ballet dancers and and everything like that like this was a huge production at the time um and uh you know it really shows in the scope of mm-hmm. the all the different disciplines that they kind of brought to it Mm-hmm. My uh, my favorite one, I think, has to be the uh, flower people dancing. Um, with the, they're very colorful. They've got these big, big hats and the leafy green boys dancing. You know, with the rainbow lady flowers. It, it and then at the finale, uh, they all like jump together into like a photorealistic still life. I, I was genuinely surprised. I didn't remember it, but it's just so uh, exciting and engaging. I don't remember it now, but I'm glad that you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's let's open up the old uh, YouTube and just kind of refresh ourselves here. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool that each of us had a different favorite segment. Like mm. this was a just within this one. Bit. This was a win for me. Takata and Fugu is maybe yep. a, a fail, but this one's a win. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the reason that we're all here: uh, the Sorcerer's yes. <laughs> Apprentice uh, by Paul Dukas, based on Goethe's 1797 poem "De Zauberlehrling." Um, Mickey Mouse is the young apprentice of the sorcerer Yen Sid, uh, and he's trying to learn some magic ti- magic tricks, but does not know how to control them. Yeah, and I uh, this is the closest to an actual episode of our podcast that we're going to get, and like an episode of our <laughs> podcast, I have a thesis for what this means. Um, so, this one, this segment, I think, is all about the message, who's steering this ship? Uh, the idea here, I think, is that there's a composer... And there are the uh, the people in the orchestra. 
So the people playing the music and the person directing the music. In the hmm. same way, there is Yen Sid, Disney backwards, and he is the teacher of the young orchestra stand-in of Mickey Mouse. And as what we're going to see is when we leave the director behind, when Yed Sid goes away and Mickey takes over, the music starts to take on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And uh, gets into trouble. You, it gets him in trouble, and it takes a much more competent director, Yen Sid, to come back in to be able to kind of settle the orchestra again. And so uh, to this, it kind of evoked to me, like, um, the nature of music can sort of be to have this snowball or compounding effect over time, and that in order to actually make a coherent story out of it, a coherent um, song out of it, you really do need someone holding the reins who knows what they're doing. Thoughts? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have a couple. (laughs) So... um... The main theme, the the brooms carrying water and stuff, like the classic thing, you get like subtle foreshadowings of it while the sorcerer is there. Like it's under control and it's subtle and, and you can kind of sense it while there's other themes going on. Um, but you don't actually hear it in full uh, and loud and bombastic until, as you said, uh, the sorcerer leaves and the orchestra gets to just kind of stretch. Yeah, it, it does feel like once we don't have a composer, much like in the way that there's a jam session halfway through Fantasia, when the composer's <laughs> not there, they just kind of do whatever they feel like, you know? The brooms when get to... When the composer's uh, away. Oh, yeah, the brooms shall play. <laughs> no, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up, Ben. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought about that before, but I couldn't have put that as eloquently as you put it. You, I, you, I mean, you sense it. The moment he's st- the moment he starts dreaming and, and, and controlling the stars in the night sky. That... Drunk with power dreams of conducting the stars themselves. Right. <laughs> it's so great. Right. It, but and, I think and then that... the water starts coming up and down, and it's like, oh, it's one of those dreams where you have to go to the bathroom, and your brain's trying to tell you. <laughs> We're back to like, bathrooms again. Come on. <laughs> this, is, this is on the long pieces. We can digress a bit more. Okay. <laughs> Gotta fit this all in. No, the, it, it's great. You, you mentioned that. I mean, it, it is. I mean, to control an orchestra is is powerful. Like when else do you control that much talent you know like the violinist has a a million dollar uh, violin you know the the wood is like older than time than itself the tree that created it <laughs> yeah right i mean kind of yeah <laughs> weirdly you know they've been training all their life you know 40 50 years and then multiply that by you know however many members are in the orchestra like yeah. it's, it, it is a lot of power and and you know it i think a lot of people will will watch a conductor and think like they're just waving their what arms what is he doing like just swatting mosquitoes like what, <laughs> is there any need for him there and y- there is i mean just it's like a you know two bands um you know covering the same song like it will be very very different um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know why this reference comes to mind, but I'll just say it because people old and new, um, I just your whole audience will get this, like Careless Whisper by George Michael. So Seether, that band that everyone knows for the only song Broken, <laughs> they, they did a cover of Careless Whisper. And it's actually good. Like, I really like it. Like, if you can find that on YouTube, I don't know if it's even on there. It's that obscure. But anyway, it's so, so different. And I think, <laughs> what a weird analogy I went with. 
<laughs> yeah, is, I'm, I'm, I'm three sheets to the wind over here. I don't know <laughs> where we're <laughs> where we're headed. <laughs> so yeah, just um, carry us away. To try and bring it back to some kind of sense. Um, <laughs> and this is before drinking. Um, yeah, to bring it back to some kind of sense. Oh, have you not been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I should be drinking my meds. That's the problem. Um, yeah, <laughs> they all that power and control. Like it, it is a lot. The composer is doing a lot. You know, a, a lot of it comes down to um, pacing and interpretation. But there is a big difference. You listen to the Nutcracker Suite by one conductor, and you listen to it by another, and it'll be just vastly different. Um, yeah, and, you and know, uh, if I may, uh, the mm, composer that you know um, has. Stakowski, he was considered something of a rebel in his own time. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. he rather, for one thing, rather than use a bat- baton, he was just he used just his hands, which apparently wasn't really done in that era. And also mm-hmm. used his own orchestral versions for both Toccata and Fugue, as well as Night on Bald Mountain, um, and was, you know, kind of pushed back against by the community because. This was a time period in which it was more or less expected to do it exactly as the compo- as the originators of these um, orchestral pieces had done. So for him to put his little twists on everything was sort of rebellious. Mm. So for 1940, do, yeah. Yeah, you, you do get a lot more... <laughs> that, that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> the bad boys in their zoot suits. <laughs> you, well, you do get actually, the idea that he has a lot of power and does need finesse to use it he's not just reading from a script you know yeah yeah no he's and i think i think disney knows i think the animators know exactly what they're doing here you know full credit to the person who came up with this story um you know without without that control you know chaos will ensue and it does in fact because the moment it all falls apart for for uh, poor mickey um is you get these kind of random ear-raping symbols crashing all over the place. Um, So, yeah, like, it it, it does descend. And it's interesting that you mention uh, Rebel. Um, As he ascends out of the uh, uh, whirlpool, that's exactly where John Williams took the notes for the Rebel fanfare in Star Wars. Um, Oh, really? So listen for that. Yeah, it also happens as, interestingly, as... um, uh, uh, Disney backwards returns. <laughs> Why can't I think of his name? What is it? Yen. It, it Yen is <laughs> Disney backwards returns. I don't have time to spell. <laughs> it's like a sequel. <laughs> oh, Disney backwards returns. Anyway, um, so yeah, as I'll just continue that as Disney backwards returns, like it happens then as well. Like he comes into the room and you get the rebel fanfare. Um. Mm. But anyway, that's that's a bit neither here nor there. But yeah, that that control is is fantastic. There's so many hit hit points. You know, as I was talking earlier about. Can you give me a definition of hit point, please? Because I'm continuously just thinking Final Fantasy gave, in the way that I'm sure Zane is. He gave you one. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I got an you example. Know, I mean, certainly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a hit point is just a, a moment in the soundtrack that kind of mirrors and matches an action that's happening on screen. I see. Um, yeah, I mean, a the, specific moment that the music acknowledges. Gotcha. gotcha. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would see this a lot in kind of old. Uh, uh, kind of uh, cartoons of the past, like Looney Tunes. Typically, there was a lot of this, oh, you know, yeah. and you you see it at the beginning of this, you know, as as the bassoons, you know, starting in in the piece, you know, it's kind of going boom, 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 
you know, and yeah. the room's like <laughs> yeah, moving right. in motion, and then eventually, bum, 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 bum. and and it's like you a know, train you... starting up. Exactly, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it, Runway and, train, and that's scoring. You know, I mean that it, maybe it's um, we have a term in 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 the soundtrack world that it's called Mickey Mousing, and and it, it, it's just when you're having too many hit points. So if you were to do that in um whatever reboot or jurassic world or something like if every time the character moved the foot you had a ding 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 ding, like it's overkill yeah so yeah yeah (laughs) but here it's again it's kind of showing you behind the composer's curtain you know so Mm, it's it's good to have a it's good to have a name for that previously we've just said yeah the soundtrack is following the character like a star (laughs) (laughs) we did we definitely did i like that better Um, uh, but i actually hang on just a sec um, I'm gonna let Ben go ahead. Uh, Wendell, would you mind giving us a clean take of ear rape that isn't ear rape, just so that we can not sure. say ear rape on our podcast? <laughs> yep. Would that be I, cool? I, I, I'm, I'm gonna say ear rape a little more. Just, <laughs> just I, put that in the cartoony words. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try and match the energy I said it with ear splitting symbols. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's too much work to edit. I'm just gonna put it as a bonus. At oh, the end. good. <laughs> well, that, um, that's on you, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> on our show so, we're like um, editor's note <laughs> <laughs> we do not condone <laughs> we, we always say we're going to edit this out and then just leave it in because it's funnier um, Zane you were going to yeah, say that's, that's uh, your call though Oh, um, the, the hit points that you mentioned I, I, do, I wanted to point out a couple as well um, you know when Mickey grabs an axe and destroys the broom that he's enchanted uh, and just there's now many brooms. I want to talk about um, the axe thing in general for a sec uh, after you finish, <laughs> because I was very rude right now. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, well, the, the main theme picks itself off the ground and it repeats like they start adding in extra punctuation and more voicing and more percussion. And we actually lose sight of the theme and we just get a, a vortex of sound before the sorcerer returns. Like I didn't think of just how well this matched, uh, um, you know, what, what you said about the orchestra going off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. I especially like that ax murdering scene. Cause, uh, it's done totally. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does. He leaves these in <laughs> things. Ben says, survey says, um, yeah, it's totally done in silhouette, which evokes the Takata and fugue in a small way. But I'm also wondering like that is a callback to something else, you know? Um, I feel like the imagery of someone getting murdered with an axe in silhouette is a pretty grand tradition. When did Psycho come out? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. If this was like a Hitchcock thing, if this was... Psycho, it must have been way Psycho later. 20 years after. Yeah, so yeah. I wonder if this is like the first example of it happening, but it's the when only kind of... first axe murder? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, 1912. Wow. So this, uh, okay, so this is referencing that. Let's figure out, let, let's put the victim up in the show notes or something. Cause, yeah. Because you, you don't want to celebrate the murderer. <laughs> this is like no. tragedy, you tragedy s- news telling 101. Yeah, celebrate the axe. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I was wondering if that was an attempt at censorship or if it was recalling something specific because I really like the imagery of it happening in silhouette. Like they're trying not to show us how gruesome it really is because it's i mean it's still mickey mouse <laughs> i don't know about all that yeah it was a fun image um the only other thing i like the image of the sorcerer returning and like parting the water like like he's moses like the conductor is all powerful here 
Uh, and then he spanks Mickey with a broom at the end. Yeah, that's very nice. I have that's to say, great. Mickey has a ton of personality in this. Yeah. Like, this is my Mickey. I, like, we, we've previously, for the show, watched uh, Disney's House of Mouse. And it was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> because Mickey hasn't aged well. Uh, but before he got like old and corrupted by money and power, he was actually a nice, a nice little mouse man. Well, yeah. Before he was an axe murderer, he's so precocious. Yeah, this, in this is what did it. This is what changed. <laughs> this him. changed him into a golden age Superman type of thing that can do no wrong. Because if he sees himself in any other way, that's it. No, it's it's just an important yeah point you mentioned. I just one thing I want to want to mention quickly before mm-hmm. I forget is yeah I mean Yancy does make an appearance in um, Kingdom Hearts, so it's does nice he? in a film that's not really about characters. Like it has probably one of my favorite little Disney characters in it. Um, he goes on to appear <laughs> a lot of in a lot of things. So yeah, that's really? great. But um, the the fact that he's also introduced with the rebel fanfare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's great. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's like my, I, my I favorite recall, use of the Star King. Wars motif, and it's not in a Star Wars film. <laughs> <laughs> it is always fun. As I recall, uh, Mickey is king in Kingdom Hearts, or or like the mayor, a lot about or something, Hearts. something like that. Yeah, he's the one yeah, who the true. dumb hearts are about, right? Yeah, I, I I mean, I pretty much consider that kind of blue yellow hat to be to belong to kind of Yen Sid. Um, Oh, it's canonically Mickey <laughs> yeah. in my mind with the with the red robes and the blue hat with the moon mm. and star. Like that's my canonical Mickey. Every other yeah. version of Mickey doesn't really hold up to snuff, but he's so precocious in this, and he's like, you know, at least from my understanding, from what I what I read, he he was kind of becoming a little unpopular at the time, and they wanted to create a sequence for this movie that would yeah regenerate that. Um, I yeah. don't know how. It worked. <laughs> Destroying brooms. Yeah. I mean, come on. Think of the environment. But yeah, yeah. I think it, it's yeah. The, the other thing I, that I that I want to mention as well. It's interesting that they, you know, they they're using this kind of wooden uh, uh, instrument tool. What what do you call a broom? <laughs> the, instrument tools using is what something they are that's referred wooden. to by uh, people in the custodial arts or a janitor. A janitor, <laughs> if you want to be a dick about it. <laughs> Well, Dick is my middle name. Um, is it really? Is it, yeah. <laughs> Mine is Edward. It's the same on the um, podcast, actually. All of our middle names are Richard, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, like, bad. how many people are on the podcast? Well, well, we have one person on the show, Ian Crab. You know, we always thought we should have a show called Three Dicks and a Crab. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, Three Dicks with Crabs. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, you, you work a lot of blue for a, for a British guy. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> You're messing um, with my conception of... No, British dandies. I don't know what to do. I've spent too much time in Mexico. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow, way to punch down. Um, but yeah, anyway, so the, the, the sequence, like, it, it, it's interesting that they choose the broom. They could have chosen anything for the for this sequence, but they choose a broom. I, 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 I don't know if this is stretching it too far, but, you know, they're using a piece that starts with an instrument made of wood. As a character mm-hmm. motif for a, a tool made of wood in in the sequence, you know, and um, I think that's something to look out for. That's something that I've been noticing on on rewatches. I don't know if I'm just kind of analyzing it too far, but I wouldn't say it was beyond Disney to to think of those things, especially at this time. So, well, what instrument is it that carries the the theme originally? Is that the bassoon or? 
Yeah, like I mean, obviously it descends into trumpets, you know, and there's nothing yeah. noticeably brass in here. But um, yeah, at least as far as I know. Yeah, like, again, I need to watch it again. Like, <laughs> it's just an excuse to watch it again. Though. I mean, there's no secrets. This is my favorite thing in the whole in all of Fantasia. I mean, it it was a mm. deluxe cartoon around which Fantasia was created. So you know, um, it's it's the most polished it's uh the strongest piece in my opinion it does the best job of marrying those two ideals of uh you know music and animation and trying to get them to play nice together and i think it's it's really great and it ends in a really kind of perfect way with uh mickey coming up and uh shaking the uh director's hand the conductor's hand yeah (laughs) how cute is that (laughs) thanks and then you know uh we have much to learn from one another yeah, just sort of breaking down the barriers between, you know, like what uh, what the Muppets would do many years later, just sort of breaking your conception of what a person yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's, um, yeah, I never thought about that. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, then we move into The Rite of Spring by Igor Stravinsky. Um, it premiered in 1913 as a, the harbinger of modern music. It nearly caused a riot. You know, one of those famous... Uh, stories about how those those new musicians don't have any respect for for proper music. Um, it's the Rite of Spring is one of my absolute favorite pieces of music. At least the the first movement is, uh, and it's a shame because I didn't think that this animation was particularly uh, inspired. At least um, you know the planets and stuff. The dinosaurs get a little interesting. You know, it, it's it's basically showing the. Uh, uh, our best understanding of what the science tells us early life was like on our planet, you know, just uh, tells us that, uh, you know, checkmate creationists. It, it seemed, um, from what I read, uh, they were deliberately not including humans in this so that they wouldn't, uh, they, they mm-hmm. didn't show the evolution into humans specifically because they were expecting backlash from creationists. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. they did include dinosaurs because everyone agrees that dinosaurs are rad. Um, but Deems refers to them as bullies and gangsters, <laughs> which I love the idea of a gangster T-Rex. <laughs> I can't believe that was in there, and that's, like, not memeable everywhere. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, music-wise, great. I really lost interest in the visuals after a time. Uh, yeah, from what I could tell, it was the more of the same message. Old story, new audience. Um, I, don't, I don't know if there's much more to get from this that you guys got i sort of bowed out as it's, well to to look at the attraction yeah i agree with you i i, I that i'm kind of bowing out i'm getting you know my third cup of coffee at this point <laughs> yeah um i i think it's to me it's kind of like a slow moving dark ride at the disney parks you know, only Disney could tell the history and evolution of the universe and have it be boring. It's the like, sorry, Disney. Sorry, it's the Epcot of Disney rides. <laughs> I I love Epcot. I mean, I don't want to badmouth Epcot. No, but I, I yeah, actually like it's, it too. But it is for adults yeah, and not kids. Yeah, it's like a easy target, I guess. But yeah, I, I I do think there's a lot more they could do with this. You know. Because the interesting thing I suppose they're playing with is like how much how much character are they going to put into this, you know? And I think they do well with the dinosaurs, you know, and I think that does, you know, catch your attention, but um yeah, it's too much, it's too easy. There isn't enough story there. Um Yeah. 
and there's no real melody to, to hook into. You know, that was kind of the, the style of the of the modern early modern music. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm with you on Bride of String. It's it's one of my favorite pieces. If you ever have the chance to hear it live, it's fantastic. It's a great lesson in part writing I, and seeing the orchestra. But I love how it starts. Oh, with the chimes fuck up. <laughs> oh, we're, oh no! Where he's like, and now the rite of spring, where <laughs> like you see the. I, I mean, I love that I'd, part. I'd, I'd like to think that's intentional, but yeah, <laughs> it certainly I, doesn't look you like it's intentional. I don't. <laughs> um, no, I love the beginning of the piece. Uh, it starts very similarly to a prelude to the afternoon of a fawn by Debussy. Which it's is cool. like a far more peaceful composition, and it's like a fake out because it starts like if you listen to the first few seconds of each, they're almost identical. But then this like dissonant like <laughs> like just kind of gets in there, and it just it just spirals out of control. Yeah, it it's definitely less on time than the other pieces up to this point. <laughs> like there's. I feel like the percussion kind of doesn't really rein it in as much as the other ones, which probably was part of the intention behind it, right? But uh, well, yeah, it it's feels got this more free form, brassy and percussive feeling, like, and it's it's represented by volcanoes. But it's just after five minutes of magma eruptions, it it stalls. <laughs> and it, it also just didn't play to my you know budding uh, composer synesthesia. Like the images didn't really match the music in my head. It didn't it didn't feel like they meshed. And that made it a detraction rather than an improvement. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably pretty subjective. So I, I can imagine the person who sees the images and hears the music and is like, yeah, those make perfect sense together. It just didn't happen for me. No, I, 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 I'm with you. I don't think this is a good fit. I don't think they should have chose this. I think, I think a lot of these pieces come from, like, what are people going to recognize? What are people going to latch on to in 1940? Uh, and, you know, maybe that's why this got put in the shuffle. But, yeah, you, you get that sense of, like, the passage of time. Like, you keep seeing the shots of the sun and the moon and, you know. Mm-hmm. But, if anything, that just goes to remind me of how long this sequence is dragging <laughs> on, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like those uh, long calendars where it's like, if the world was a day long, humans would show up just at the last second. It's like, yeah, but that's where all the cool stuff is. <laughs> That's when I Dream of Genie um, aired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, noted high mark of humanity. I don't know why that popped into my head. <laughs> um, no, those string and brass uh, apps work great for the volcanic eruptions. Yeah, when the piece is more lively, like, it suits what they were going for. But when it drags, they could have chose something different or maybe Whoa. just not have done this piece. I The only part that I, that I really like, and actually it's kind of a... A monster movie moment for me is when the uh, the T Rex kind of uh, stands triumphant over the the dead Stegosaurus. Yeah, you're expecting the roar like from Jurassic Park to to happen. Yeah, maybe right. even the theme but from you, Jurassic you, Park to start playing, or like the scream from uh, Godzilla, something. Yeah, you know, something yeah. Some but yeah. but really, it's just like, oh, we just saw a bunch of dinos get get eaten, and it. It lingers a little too long. <laughs> it does linger too long. But there's notes there, and it's the only moment I like. You just get this boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And those three notes work great <laughs> for the sequence, but in a sequence of a billion notes, no thanks. You know, yeah, it's, even the average. intermission that follows is more interesting. I, Approximately one billion. There were a couple moments that I kind of appreciated. Uh, I really like the ocean sequence where there's some 
you know, Cell's doing some softcore mitosis for me, and uh, you know the the music is is nice and creepy and and <laughs> uncertain. Um, I don't remember precisely what instruments went into it, but I, I got a really weird feeling of that. You know, you're just in the ocean and you recognize that there's a whole ecosystem around you that you can't see, and it just that entire atmosphere yeah, the- <laughs> did feel like the music to me. All those types of animals you learn about in you know intro biology class, like in ascending order of complexity, show up, and then. A heroic fish grows legs in a way that it absolutely didn't. Because <laughs> I love it. it's like this is the best we have of science, and then it's just <laughs> legs, legs time. Just the details, yeah, yeah. <laughs> time to go. Nobody really knows what happened, but we scientists think it's something like this. <sighs> I think it was like some violin and flute going on uh, when when the when they were uncertain and creepy in the in the ocean, but. Yeah, there's a big, I mean, again, not to keep mentioning it, but I guess I am. Um, Yeah, there's a moment where... So to keep mentioning it. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's like a lot of, um, uh, especially like the scenes in in A New Hope in Tatooine, like a lot of music like is is drawn from Williams from this sequence in those slower movements for that. So if you get a Tatooine feel, it's because of that. So uh, yeah, hmm. it, it, and again, I'm not a, I'm not against it. I think it would be hard pressed to create any kind of images the right of spring. Like it's such a, oh, there's so much you could do with it. But unlike the the last piece, it's more accessible. The 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 melody in the Sorcerer's Apprentice is so so strong and there. And you also because it's a bit more modern, you have they kind of play with time more. Like I was mentioning, like. Ding, you know they're speeding up and slowing down and that works better for animation but um Mm -hmm. this one there's uh, something there's something stable you can compare to Mm. if it's just Mm -hmm. a if it's just a morass you get lost um yeah i I don't know i i i think i liked it during the punchy sections like when you see the t-rex fighting the the stegosaurus um you know i could imagine this music maybe being used to score like a boxing match um I don't know, yeah, it, it gets a little ethereal. Yeah, um, it does get a little ethereal. I agree that the dino battle is probably the best part of it. Because, like, a lot of it is a bunch of dinos wandering around doing pretty much whatever to a bunch of whatever music. And yeah, then, I mean, Earth wasn't that interesting <laughs> at that time, really, right? So, yeah. <laughs> whatever <music. laughs> They just do a bunch of whatever music. But then both... <laughs> The music and all the dinosaurs all collectively get their shit together when the T-Rex shows up, and that felt really cool. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. big dogs on campus, everybody, you know, straighten your tie and tuck in your shirts. Like, it's time to get serious here. Um, and so that made me appreciate it a little bit more. I also really love the when the T-Rex finally wins and the Stegosaurus, like, rolls over, that nice, like, timpani roll that goes along with it. Ugh. It's, it's pretty graphic. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I liked it a lot. That, that one did feel like it connected. So, overall, I wouldn't say Rite of Spring really hit me good to it, but there were moments that felt like it was getting there. I hated seeing them all, like, dying of thirst after the climate change. <laughs> that was <change>. pretty brutal. <laughs> well, I mean, remember this film comes and between... And the music was kind of goofy then. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is dark like, Disney. Like, this film comes right between Pinocchio <laughs> and Dumbo, so... <laughs> yeah. It's like that, uh... What is it? That moment? It was it Family Guy or Simpsons where like they're showing like some tragic imagery happening. So to soften it for audiences, they put a bunch of slapstick and Three Stooges <laughs> in the background. Or no, it was uh, it was Futurama with the penguins. 
<laughs> yeah, like dying right. of hunger and they're slipping on oil and stuff and it's like slipping on banana peel wow. sound effects to go wow. along with it <laughs> yeah it's like we know yeah. they died i mean it finishes not long after that it's it's okay you don't need to show us that um yeah <laughs> like we know yeah, yeah, fade to black. <laughs> it's kind of famous <laughs> i do like the way it goes full circle as an entire piece because it starts off with mm-hmm. heavens and then goes to earth and then we get life you know after the volcanoes we get life and then once the life is gone, we kind of just see Earth and skeletons, and then it pans out to, you know, stars and stuff again. So, yeah. I do kind of yeah, like that. It's very poetic. That's true. It's Actually, nice and symmetric there. think that where this film, or where the sequences don't work against the music is... Yeah, when I lose interest, actually. Like, when it's a perfect marriage, I'm not thinking about <laughs> it. Like, any other film, you know, I'm not thinking, oh, look, they've... Oh, right. Yes, I do a lot of school guides on my podcast, and I'm thinking about the soundtrack a lot. But just when I'm going in blind and watching the film for the first time, I'm not thinking about that stuff. And, yeah. And if I am, then it's because they're not working. So it's almost a lesson in, in, in good soundtracks and what works and what doesn't. Um, not that that's what it was designed to be, though. So that's that's my problem. Yeah. yeah. I think I have <laughs> the actually... rights and wrongs of spring, I guess, is, is this. I think I actually have an edge on, like trying to read something where there's nothing over you because you know we spent an hour and a half talking about american dragon jake long and you know there's clearly nothing <laughs> worthwhile there but like you know we have to say something we got to come up now, with what something part of this is not talking about it ever again <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah uh so this is when the in- the intermission this is when the intermission happens do you guys have anything to say about it? <laughs> I guess not. No. Um. Yeah. Let me. <laughs> yeah. It did I happen. Think... We might as well acknowledge it, right? <laughs> they they put up a Fantasia title card <laughs> back in ten, in case you forgot. <laughs> yeah, this is very strange. Like I said before, you would never get actors walking off and the cameras keep rolling. You know that. Well, it's it's similar to other movies of the time. You know, mm. you watch like uh, Singing in the Rain, and there's like uh, like a fashion show in the middle of it because people needed to know what the fashions were at the time. <laughs> really? Right. I don't remember I'm, that. At I'm all. pretty sure that's it's that it's. I think it's that movie where it does that. It's really bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Like I said earlier, I think it brings back the Sorcerer's Apprentice idea of the instruments are doing stuff when the conductor is not around. Um, and I like that. But beyond that, it did feel just like a weird kind of avant-garde, you know, hey, we're not like other movies. <laughs> I'm just lost conjuring like instruments, like moving of their own accord, doing unscrupulous things while the musicians aren't around. <laughs> some, what sort of Some weird things? dark horror toy story in the orchestra pit. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Ooh. sequel to Sausage Party. It's like Choir Party or something. watch that (laughs) watch that movie um after they tune their instruments we get the soundtrack well first we get a little jam session like you said um and it's sort of like oh dad's away but then he comes back and they're like oh quiet yeah they're getting a little bit one instrumentalist like doesn't get it like he keeps going yeah i question those chimes falling like i'm like (laughs) the chimes falling like a bad joke on their part like what's going on we, these were professional artists in the 40s. They they were absolutely hammered by this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's all they're in there. That's Not in there. Cast dispersions on anyone's profession. But. That's all that was in uh in their um in their violin cases. It was just like you know, absinthe and uh, and gin. Well, that's the cheapest instrument to fall, like just tubes of steel. Like, <laughs> I, I guarantee you, if a violin dropped, like everyone would shut up. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
but yeah, the the soundtrack shows up. It is a vertical line and just shyly walks on stage, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cute. I've been performing the Rite of Spring, but I'm I'm shy now. Yeah, yeah. it's like. <laughs> well, he's not in his element uh, and- anymore. You you get a nerd into a into a gaming convention, he won't shut up. But you put him like on a <laughs> basketball team, nothing. I suppose we hear and see the harp. Uh, he he kind of says like, "Hey, let's let's see what it looks like when uh, this uh, instrument plays or when that one plays," and just sort of gives you a, a, a more of a vis- straightforward visual thing. You know, they had that absolute music at the beginning, and this is sort of a reprieve because they didn't want to do a whole nother takah. Yeah, it, it's the opposite of before, which is like seeing music. Uh, now one of the strings, say, oh, the violin. Or this is this is seeing the music as opposed to hearing the visuals. So I, I feel like this is the most blatant example of the theme of uh, of Fantasia. Um, and I'm glad that <laughs> here's it, what we're doing. I'm glad it doesn't last very long, <laughs> to be honest. They would play this in like uh, like music class in like second grade. Like, all right, kids. Pay pay attention. This is how music is. Makes me feel like I'm following a bouncing ball on screen to to sing something. I miss that guy. He's not a guy. He's a bouncing ball on a. You know, a bouncing bouncing ball to which I have ascribed anthropological (laughs) traits. I think you meant anthropomorphic, maybe. What did I say? Anthropological. I I stand by it. Yeah, we've been here a while. Um, Boy, no, it's good. It's my only criticism if they're trying to introduce not my only criticism but the only criticism i'll mention (laughs) is if they're trying to introduce introduce i've lost my british accent introduce uh, (laughs) sounds very common um (laughs) um, yeah if they're trying to introduce like the instruments of the orchestra like it does feel a little strange like not seeing like an image of the flute or the harp on screen even if you're hearing it because maybe some people you know aren't aware of what a bassoon looks like so does it help i don't know and also i think it maybe could have again not to quote peter and the wolf but it maybe this would have been better a little earlier you know and maybe instead of Takada and fugue they start with something more minimal that has you know smaller pieces um where you can just go through some of the main instruments um yeah i i think i actually really like it where it's placed um i think i kind of disagree with you i think that bringing us out of the intermission with a little bit of fantasia's version of slapstick is is a good rev us back up yeah, I think you're right, but I'm not in an intermission. Like I'm still watching <clears throat> the movie. At this point, <laughs> you skip the jam session? How <laughs> like, dare the, you? I mean, because yeah, if you're watching this, and when he says there's an intermission for 15 minutes, there's not. That's a lie. He's lying <laughs> to you. <laughs> I'm sure there was at the time. <laughs> you don't. You don't want the DVD to just be like. All right. Well, I'm just thinking of my grandmother who would really appreciate this movie and she's going to listen to what he says exactly and go off and make a cup of tea and whiskey <laughs> and come back and try and get through the rest of the movie without falling asleep. She so sounds I'm fun. thinking of you, Grandma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it does, it does work, but I suppose... Yeah, introducing the soundtrack, maybe I would have liked that a little bit at the start in, in replacement of Takata and Fugue. Sorry. I, I can see that. Uh, <laughs> I, I can see it, that. It, I think it just it worked fine for me. And I think that it it's a really work. good example of 
you know, we, we've done kind of serious stuff or kind of lighthearted stuff, but this is flat comedy. And I, I think that yeah. shifting the genre so far in the one direction and still pulling it off with this animation music interplay is pretty good. He, he even says to, like, the bassoon, like, Go on. Go on. Drop the other shoe, will you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of, you know, comedic, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ha, it's uh, not ha-ha funny, but it's... Ah, humor was attempted. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also really like that, you know, this is clearly comedy that wouldn't work without the visuals. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it's adding animation that makes this joke work. I, I love musical jokes, but when you have to explain the joke, it's a little less good. Yeah, and this gets around explaining it by showing it, so... Yeah, I'm pretty into it. I especially like the percussion section, but uh, there's not much more to it than that. So let's move on. Uh, we now have the Pastoral Symphony. Beethoven's Sixth. This is where you talk Sorry, about I, it. <laughs> yeah, I was all. lost I, because I pronounce it pastoral. I just heard past oral. Let's get past oral. <laughs> pastoral, um, excuse me. By Beethoven? <laughs> Um, so, yeah, yeah, so this, you have, this yeah, tells a, there we go. No, this tells a story, uh, you know, he says that Beethoven had this idea that it's, uh, sort of a, uh, mythological world where, you know, centaurs and stuff, uh, and the centaurettes <laughs> and the centaurettes, <laughs> God, uh, with a hyphen, <laughs> cupids, fawns so and other features, uh, other figures from classical mythology, um, from like a Greco Roman style uh, mythology. Um, and it is telling the story of a festival to honor Bacchus, the god of wine. Uh, it's interrupted by Zeus, who creates a storm and directs Vulcan to forge lightning bolts for him to throw at the attendees. Uh, and so we, we have a nice little uh, series of vignettes where, um, again, they're trying to, trying to get me to get interested in the love affairs of these uh, horse people. And then, uh, you know, a variety of other little dances and things before uh, shit hits the fan, musically speaking. <laughs> Yeah, like if if you fell asleep during Ride of Spring and suddenly woke up and you don't know about the mythology, like you're in for a shock. Yeah, like what meteorological phenomenon happened that caused like satyrs and fucking centaurs and shit to pop out? I don't remember this in my textbook. No, it's great. You got centaurettes. You've got a fashion show. And one of the one of the centaurettes reminds me of like an Orion slave girl. Then you've got their mating rituals. Then you've got these little children. Yes, I know they're cherubs and cupids, but little children dropping flowers <laughs> they're just on very them. Very naked. But yeah, they're like infantile voyeurs. And the, yeah, showing their fat baby butts all over the place. <laughs> and then like a little later, like the um, uh, the blue god <laughs> kicks. He Hephaestus, kicks his giant. Right, he kicks his giant slippers off, and I'm, and at that moment, I'm just imagining like a post-apocalyptic sequel called the Fantasia Aftermath, where those giant slippers like wipe out a whole town, (laughs) you know, or they they're just stuck in the ground, and then a new alien race worships them. Um, (laughs) Getting ahead of myself. Sort of 2001: A Space Odyssey, (laughs) but instead of the monoliths, it's just a big fucking shoe. But yeah, uh, the, your aftermath. Yeah, this someone is, get this on is, that. This is this works pretty good for me because I feel like Disney animation style is very good at fantasy, and uh, this is some, yes, this is some backyard fantasy. This is you know this is stuff that I'm familiar with from you know sixth grade education type of stuff. I know all these gods. I know all these mythological figures. I know how they work together. So to see it animated and um, 
and uh, musicked around, it, it 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 works pretty good for me. Yeah, and it's very simple storytelling. You know, you you get these fields and you get various creatures dancing around, and anything that it tells you, it tells you several times. So you see, oh, there's this centaur and centaurette getting together. That'll happen three or four times, and then there will be one that's just all alone. Or you'll see these three pegasi, you know, do this little aerial trick, and then the black sheep of the family, you know, fails. That little black pegasus is so cute. (laughs) As somebody who's watched a lot of My Little Pony and is not ashamed about it. I was just about to say that. I was pretty into this. (laughs) It's so nice of Disney to cater to all the bronies so far in advance. (laughs) Time travel is real. Walt knew what was going to happen. We're just a scant 60 years off, people. Trust me. man ahead of his time. Um, but yeah, no, this 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 works for me very very well. Yeah, it looks. I think it's an important moment in the film to pick up a little bit, gearing towards the end. And I, I we have some really obvious it. hit points with the Pegasus hitting the water, like that one. Yes, I noticed yeah. where the, the music just spikes for that for those little bits. It works beautifully. Yeah, I mean they kind of describe it as like a musical a musical picture of a day in the country. <laughs> I don't know if the animators have ever been to the country. But in gods and gods and gods <laughs> yeah. and gods and gods country. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, no, no. It, it works really beautifully. This is a nice piece. This is, um, I mean, and this is definitely a famous symphony, but it's not one of the Beethoven symphonies I listen to a lot of. So, yeah, yeah for me Yeah, it's not as famous point, as the fifth or the ninth. This is... Uh, this one kind of needs the visuals to sort of help it along. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it works really, really well. And again, because there's a lot more characters on screen, like perhaps more than any other moment in the film, you know, I mean, <clears throat> we get a little uh, a little later in Night and Bold Mountain, but, you know, they have a face to them. They have an emotion. Like there's a little bit of a character arc for some of them. It's probably the closest we come to some kind of story outside of The Sorcerer's Apprentice. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. It works, works and it's so bright well. and colorful. Yeah, and that and that first very cool. That first yeah. bit is so carefree, whimsy, and and lighthearted and excited music. It it all just coheres very nicely. Um, at least for the beginning. I, I don't think that the second section where they're, you know, all the centaurs are are, you know, going toward a toward a rager on campus. <laughs> yeah, they're like getting ready for a kegger. It feels like that. There's like a centaurgy going on or something. It, it's pretty weird. Ooh, I like that term. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, well, we got pastoral, so yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, it, it works really nicely. I do think that yes, yeah, something we haven't really discussed. I guess are the, the the kind of styles of animation and how varied it is. Hmm. Um, yeah, of course, it's very easy to look at this and just think, oh well, it's the dawn of animation. It's early animation, but. No, no, no. It, it, they're doing some very interesting things. And I actually think it visually, it gets more interesting for me as the, the story goes on. Like, I feel like, I don't know if that's an arc, like they're trying to make the animation more complex as the film goes on, but that's that's what I feel. And I don't like, um, I, 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 I do think that maybe it suffers from a little bit of pacing for me in some places. It drags. The second yeah. act here dragged a bit for me. Right, the second part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it but, picks back up in the third, what, though. I agree with what you're saying about the visuals, though. You know, if you think of the, uh, you know, the Nutcracker Suite visuals, that was sort of like paintings. That those were these sort yes. of broad impressionistic things. Here, it's almost like comic book or like storybook visuals, like like um, Asterix and Obelisk. Uh, when when Bacchus shows up, it's like that's just 
one of the fat guys from one of them French comics. This yeah, is, yeah. He I've feels seen like this he's, before. He feels like the. He, he feels like he's on like the lid of, like cans of peas or something. <laughs> Jackus's brand baked beans. This is kind of what it feels like. He's he's on like a baby food, uh, baby formula kind of bottle. Um. <laughs> yeah, it is, I mean it's quite difficult to. It's quite difficult for me to adjust to early animation because I watch so much modern animation sometimes. Yeah. This one, not so much, because I, I tend to, you know, uh, stick this into the disk drives that don't exist in 2018. I tend to watch this legally on my computer um, from time to time. There you and go. Yeah, it's, it's definitely feeling, um, yeah, like the pace is picking up a little bit at this point. So, yeah, I'm not... I'm not snoozing. I've I've kind of woken up from from the the rite of spring. So no, no. Um, I wanted to mention one thing just because it evoked a memory in me that I, I kind of wanted to share with you guys. When the Pegasuses do hit the water and there's that spike in music, it made me kind of want like a slow, like a like a YouTube video of this music pasted over something else. Um, <laughs> you know, like like in a real life. Yeah, I, I like want... a YouTube. YouTube fails where the guy like, like falls off of a skateboard. Yeah, <laughs> but it's 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 set to like uh, Beastie Boys sabotage or something like that. Like that, that. When I was watching this, I was like, this. It feels kind of like that's what's going on here. Like it doesn't feel. It feels like they clipped out the music and added it to some weird cartoon without actually like checking first. But I don't know well, why. It's, it's that whole thing of like youth and exhibitionism. That's kind of a current like a theme through this part before Zeus shows up and ruins their party. Yeah, rains up. Dad, literally raining on their parade. Yeah, I love that moment when the vat of wine explodes and, and flits the town. Like this film yeah, is at its party. best when there's natural disasters on screen. Like, if, <laughs> like that's when it works for me. Like the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Like when it floods, when it rains. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's working. Like, <laughs> yeah, the third part really works for me. This uh, this revelry kind of this pageant or or festival kind of uh, segment. Because it's really percussive and lively, um, and it'll occasionally dip back into like the lyrical kind of floaty qualities of the second act, where they're all trying to seduce each other or whatever. But uh, you know, I, I like that they're kind of combining the first two acts into this third part. And um, yeah, Dynamicus or Bacchus is a uh, pretty—he's pre-gaming pretty hard for this party, and they make no bodes about it. That donkey is drunk. He is drunk as a skunk. That is absolutely yeah. an inebriated animal. <laughs> <laughs> and it just like yeah, I—it's—I that... love going back this far and recognizing we didn't have to worry about it back then. We didn't have to worry about yeah, they, what the censors were going to say. They didn't have the motion picture guide, right? Um. When Zeus starts throwing lightning bolts, don't we like Zeus? Why is he being Zeus such a is, dick? Mythologically, Zeus is kind of a dick. Is he? Is my understanding? I'm thinking back to like Disney Hercules, I think, where I he's like a doting this is father. On brand. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Disney's Hercules is probably the best accurate representation. <laughs> yeah, huh. that's why I said the blue god because that's my source of reference. <laughs> <laughs> With his beard, he had these beard tentacles. I thought he was Davy Jones again. <laughs> <laughs> they do look like beard tentacles. <laughs> I just love the the idea of a god wearing slippers. Like he's he's already on <laughs> yeah. clouds. Like how <laughs> aren't they soft and fluffy? It's, like it's like they didn't get invited to the party, so they have to stay in tonight. If, if I lived <laughs> on a cloud, I would nap constantly. That's what the clouds are for. Oh, but it would be so humid. I, I get. I, all right. 
<laughs> I mean, how much do you want to talk about humid clouds? <laughs> like a lot now. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't think I could get that much out of those slippers, but yeah. Apologies for talking that long on your podcast. But <laughs> we, we have no idea what's going to so trigger it. Like we, it just comes and goes. We listen back to these and we were like, did that come up? Yeah. I don't remember We don't that. remember we half of what we say. We have 15 minutes on the branches of government. I don't remember talking about that. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, uh, but then it ends, kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, after the storm, things you, you get your rainbow after the rain. Well, what um, I really love get... about Zeus stopping doing the lightning bolts is that it almost feels like, you know, once he's done with it, he just gets tired. Like, it's five o'clock, time to clock out. This is, like, he's not doing it out of malice. It almost feels like it's a clockwork ritualistic kind of thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like the clouds part and the cycle begins all over again. It looks and sounds a lot like the first section, and I think that's the point. You know, it's just this is this is what the stories tell us life was like then or in the story. And it's it's (laughs) eternal. You know, it's got this sort of unchanging nature, which I which I sort of like this 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 cyclical process. It's not really a story. You can't reason with the elements. Thank you. That that's where I was going toward. I like that uh, Helios comes out driving the sun chariot with his fire horses because that brings the number of mythological horse creatures to three. That in this one segment <laughs> that just weirded me out. Like everything up till this point, like okay, we needed Bacchus, we needed Zeus, we needed the satyrs, and then they just give us like eight different gods right at the end for no reason. Like it felt rushed. <laughs> it felt like a rush job. It's good animation at that that point, though. Yeah, it's something it is. They'll, they'll use later on with the the apparitions in the Night and Bolt Mountain. But yeah, um, no, I, I like this piece. I think this is a really good fit. It's not necessarily one I would have chosen. And again, I'm I'm listening to the music and loving it. And it's it's actually one of those rare pieces where I'll I'll want to like w- now watch this sequence as I listen to this symphony. Yeah, I wouldn't listen to this symphony on its own without this sequence. So yeah, right. As, crazy and psychedelic as it gets yeah it, this, uh, this one's definitely additive speaking of yes. psychedelic did you know that when they uh re-released it in the 60s it was to a psychedelic uh poster makes sense when they when they re-released yeah, apparently fantasia. at the time that fantasia was originally released it wasn't super popular but it just kind of got more and more popular like every decade like it, it was a yeah, slow disney burn. just didn't give up on it um yeah. yeah, so next, uh, speaking of the passage of time, we have uh, The Dance of the Hours by, I'm going to mispronounce this, Amilcare Poncielli? Yeah, I like to call this one Magic Conga. But, uh... <laughs> it is a comic, a comic ballet in four sections, um, representing the morning, afternoon, evening, and night. Uh, and this is sort of a parody work like it's expe- in the same way that people know the nutcracker let's do something different people kind of know like oh there's the ballet and then there's this you know male suitor come to take the ballerina off her feet and all that stuff and it uh, it plays with it by again making animals very sexy yeah it, it makes a serious thing silly which i like um but it is also one of my least favorite pieces in fantasia so <laughs> eh. I don't know where I sit with this one. I think the images work well, but I've just heard this music so many times it kind of ruins it for me. Um, yeah, yeah, I couldn't point this. I couldn't point this music out, but when it started and it's a, uh, you know, the only thing that I knew this from was the, like Camp Granada, like that joke yeah. track, and I only know na, that na, from na, an episode na. of The Simpsons. Na, 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 <laughs> so, na, na. 
like and i'm like oh it's a thing um but what we see is ostriches as ballet dancers uh and then we get hippo princess and then we get alligator casanova and it yeah the alligator sources sorcerers are my favorite part of this it's like they have punchy jokes and funny things but it just takes too long to get to each of them yeah i don't know i think maybe i was just getting i think maybe this is just like a pacing issue like i was just you were done you I, were I was just a little, i was kind of checked out at this point for just more ballet shit like i i mean like that's pretty um that's pretty low-minded of me to just you know discount stuff because it's too frou-frou but i i was i was pretty tired of uh classical music by this point and like depictions <laughs> of animals dancing by this point and it just felt like kind of redundant like I, I feel like you could have shaved this whole song off and fantasia would have been just as cohesive and more bearable because it was shorter so i think it works as a parody because they're doing ballet moves like this is one of the things where they got actual ballet dancers in to like really get everything right including a pretty um, heavy one for the hippo yeah, as I understand it. From everything I could read, this piece gets better the more you actually know about ballet and how this piece is generally performed, like mm. in particular. Uh, and so, just not having act like I've never enjoyed ballet. I've never really enjoyed much dancing. I feel so bad for ballet dancers. I know a ballet know. dancer, um, and she like says she had to stop doing ballet because of a very minor issue with her hips and had to start like going into modern dance because it just fucking kills your entire lower body to try to do ballet for any extended period of time it's so taxing yeah. and you're like one of nine yeah on the stage yeah that's true it's so competitive it's a weird art form as well like in the sense that look i don't need you to perform that well for me like you, <laughs> you can tone it down a, like i don't literally square dancing bleeding. Works. <laughs> yeah like i, I it's okay. You can tone it down a little bit, and and I'll be fine. It's a very strange art form, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I have seen some ballets on stage, and still, I still don't appreciate it as much as I should, perhaps. But yeah, this sequence does work as a comedy. You're right. Um, it's interesting to note. So the um, the hippo is uh, hyacinth because alliteration, um, and <laughs> yeah, they all have names. So weird. <laughs> it is strange. Well, she actually appears in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. She does, like right near the yeah. beginning intro. And thing, she has right? a line. Like, excuse she, like, me. Passes, she passes out. Exactly. So that's great. Um, I love that. I love that we get uh, this character from that. But Speaking of, um, Sorcerer Apprentice also yeah. makes an appearance, uh, the song, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, because the janitor is sweeping up a bunch of stuff by playing a saxophone and commanding a bunch <laughs> of brooms. <laughs> Oh, uh, that movie was so good. Mm -hmm. Can we go watch that again? <laughs> I certainly will. I'm sorry, I interrupted you, though. No, 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 but I, I, I agree with you guys. Yeah, I, I, it does work, but I think I would I would cut it, you know. Also, because the next piece is my, not only my favorite animation, but favorite music in, in this film, so. I, I think I've definitely gotten better with it. Yeah, that's, that one really works for me. Do, do we have anything else to say about, um, about this uh, Dance of the Hours, though? Um, just that uh, in, for the ballet pieces in particular, I read that um, they wanted to do something weird and experimental because <laughs> um, the ballet pieces are so popular that you could just go to any high school and get, you know, the standard thing you've seen a million times. So why not make it weird with this one? Yeah, I did like the kind of surreal way that the animals played together. Like the alligator spinning around the hippo in one part really felt like a 
like, oh, hats off to you, Disney. This is what animation can do well. Like, this is very silly, yeah. and it's really engaging, and it is, you know, building on something that you were already doing. I, I liked all the alligators, like, running back and forth and, like, trying to block oh. off the exits for the hippo. And, it like, started feeling this like sort a of Scooby-Doo power struggle chase. that's still very silly. Yeah, it's like, it's like Scooby-Doo, like, enter into this door, leave through that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like it yeah, that so. all hell breaks loose near the end of this, and it's punctuated by the music just getting faster and faster. Yeah, so. yeah I, th- I think this is a good piece. I just, you know, this late it does wear on you. Mm-hmm. But let's go to the uh, finale. Yeah, Night on Bald Mountain slash Ave Maria. Uh, the first by Modest Mazorski, and Ave Maria is by Franz Schubert. Um, and it tells the story of the devil Chernabog. Yeah, Wend, uh, bring us in on this, because it seems like this one was very important to you. Yeah, like, finish strong. (laughs) (laughs) They certainly did, yeah. (laughs) Well, I like it. I mean, I I tend to prefer when Disney goes dark, or anything goes dark in general, honestly. I I, I appreciate it more with Disney, because, yeah, at at this time, maybe it's a product of the the culture i would imagine you know this is a little bit before well <laughs> post-world war ii happiness with superman as we were mentioning earlier you know and, and i i like that i like that it allowed itself to go so dark in 1940 this is great it's one of my favorite it's actually one of my favorite animated sequences of all time i will go so far as to say that and i would drop my mic if it wasn't so heavy but mm. um <laughs> yeah the the characters actually i watched this today and you know what the the next thing i did after seeing Chernabog was is i went to go and see batman the animated series really as if i need an excuse to <laughs> no, see anytime. that but, yeah That's i was just reminded <laughs> i was like oh yeah <laughs> just the eyes and the cape yeah Chernabog's great mm-hmm. um everything everything is great about this like not just because of the haunting music and the images like um i was noticing the camera movements were quite creative um the contrast of, of darkness and light was played with um you've got from an animation standpoint a lot of things going on the spiraling winds the flames the flying apparitions um even the 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 tempo changes of the 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 piece um the speed of the animation just fits the music uh, uh, beautifully you know um it works on so many levels even from an animation standpoint, towards the end, we get this kind of layering of, of mist, um, uh, you know, just before the choir sing Ave Maria, and, and the camera blurs and focuses on that procession of lights. And and I think the important thing, and it's something that sometimes is lost, especially with the advent of CG animation, is this piece isn't over-animated. And I think it could have very easily happened that way. Yeah. I think it is just perfect for the time you know um and there's even nudity in it you know i mean like what, <laughs> like, what more do you want I'm watching it i'm like oh <laughs> but um yeah I, I i hope that makes sense and you know it, it it's not over animated it's focusing on exactly what what needs to happen because animation is much more difficult to do narratively than just filming a few characters live action like telling a story through animation is hard it's still hard and i think they achieve that here on on so many levels so yeah it just i could gush about this for three hours i won't but (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, this this piece is one huge crescendo, and it's it's easy for that to become boring in the same yeah. way that you know any sort of just nonstop thing forever gets boring. But uh, by by shifting the primary and secondary themes through different sections and adding in new instruments as they add in new types of apparitions and spirits mm-hmm. you know you got not just skeletons or ghosts but the ghosts of skeletons like it just keeps ramping there, up uh, up r- until you know you have to get that you know church bell there's that one great part where almost all of the instruments clip out except for like maybe a piccolo or an oboe or something and it just sort of teases this specter out of the grave and so we go from all of the music and all of the dead converging and then we just look at like one example of it and it's super creepy. <laughs> yeah, the themes like they get chaotic. They cut each other off. They just jump in and like the only time you can get a foothold is during those two main like bow, bow, bow. and those are terrifying as well. So, you know, you have your choice between chaos or terror. And you know, pick. And you know, you you say it's hard to maintain a crescendo for that long. Like if you maintain and by the way, if you maintain a crescendo for more than 4 hours, please see your doctor. Um, but the, <laughs> I assume that you guys both knew I was going to do that. But in order to maintain that crescendo for as long, I think that the animation is actually pretty imperative here. Um, I know that I would get bored of hearing the same thing over and over if I didn't have something to look at at the same time. I can't speak to people who are more musically inclined. Perhaps they could maintain a, a longer crescendo than I. I'm not too. I, I don't think that that's an indictment on my masculinity or anything. Um, I, th- I think the theme worked because the macabre and like evil and spookiness was kind of a big theme in this early animation. It was something that you, you know, wasn't too weird to see in this new art form was to see, you know, the spirits. Um, so I, I think it was a good choice. Well, my, my point is this. I think that the message of this last piece, whether or not it was intentional message, is that you really do need animation. Like, is, is that animation is certainly additive, um, but animation can't do it alone. So if you just like if you can think in your hindbrain whether you cut out the animation and just use kind of standard sound effects and had the demon talking, for example, I can't imagine that being I can't imagine that sticking in my head. You know? I, I think that it absolutely needs the Night on Bald Mountain in order to make like this is what I think of when I hear Night of Bald Mountain and I can't remember actually watching this part of Fantasia until very very recently so something must have stuck yeah. in my head you ask any kid and they're like oh I had to go out of the room when this one was on like too scary and then the last bit's too boring it's so evocative and th- that's that's the thing with the last bit the animation kind of gives up like <laughs> you know um, it, it's it got tired <laughs> And that's the thing that I don't think that the, they were intending is that, like, that's an example of animation and music kind of not knowing what the other one's trying to do, in, in my opinion. <laughs> it feels like one of them stopped before the other one was ready to, um, and it, 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 didn't, it didn't hit anywhere nearly as hard as the Night on Bald Mountain sequence. Um, so I, mm. I wish I could separate these two to be different things so that I could give Bald Mountain an A+. And this one a flat, and the Ave Maria part like a flat F. But I'm forced to just <laughs> B minus the shit. And I don't know, uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that. It's, it's much more interesting to me to hear an, a non-musician's perspective just because I'm constantly surrounded by musicians. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's good to hear you say that. And I think, if anything, your, your opinion is, 
is is more valid because you're not maybe distracted by you know little musical things that a composer might be so yeah i, I see your point with that um yeah i i'm yawning at ave maria i always have done <laughs> just so <laughs> I'm bored terrible, but yeah <laughs> i i think it was necessary i usually didn't like it it I actually started to find the Bald Mountain one a little bit stressful just because of how worked up it was getting me. It couldn't and it end nice that way. to know that yeah. nothing stressful was coming back. I, I This was the first time watching it where I was like, yeah, that Ave Maria kind of fits. I kind of need that aftercare. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. The, yeah, stated like message, the stated message for this part is the sacred triumphing over the profane, as the, uh, as the conductor had said. But... Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that... It... <laughs> profane is cooler. <laughs> well, profane is clearly better. <laughs> Come to the dark side. We have cookies. <laughs> we have cookies and purple lightning. What more do you want? Um, fucking Mace Windu. Yeah, the coloring is fantastic here. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I I agree that Ave Maria might have a place in doing like that aftercare you were talking about. It could have been half a minute, you know? like I feel like all I needed was like... You see the monks, you see the sunrise, and you see them, you know, walking off into the middle distance into a chapel or something. And that would have done it for me. But Mm. it's like three and a half minutes, and I just, I don't need it. Yeah, it's like, what's the end of Kubo doing in here? Yeah, I felt that this time, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, bring bring back the rest of Kubo. I want to see all of it. I want to see the dirty parts of Kubo. (laughs) Ben, have you seen Kubo? Nope. That would be an interesting double feature. <laughs> oh god, yeah, but the, you know the the coloring is great. I I think it depends on your taste. I think that there's a lot of beauty in darkness. It, it's it's sometimes that's a hard concept for people to get around. But you know, even in this piece, when you have the that kind of dancey part, you know, and you've got the characters moving like in a way that animation just wasn't doing and didn't do for a long time after you know they're mm-hmm. moving kind of like the the extras in the thriller music video you know and <laughs> and and to try and make them graceful is difficult but i i think there's a lot of lightness in this too you know and and a, a piece of power doesn't have power if it doesn't have the light bits in between you know you need that calm before the storm so I don't know. I just like the darkness. Just make it dark for me I, constantly. I'm way, um. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely on board with that. And it's actually pretty impressive that Disney was able to do that with something classical. Because uh, as Zena and I have found, frequently evil imagery and, and, and kind of darkness, um, it, it much more fits with a looser kind of cooler, almost jazzier kind of music. Um, you know, we've seen things in like Tim Burton kind of stuff where that those are very closely married um that's true and uh so to see it like represented in a classical music sense and fucking kill it is is awesome (laughs) yeah and i i agree with what you said earlier about it being uh you know having chernabog not speak having him be that force of nature makes it all the more evocative uh and and that's what makes it work with the classical which we you know hearing an orchestra in bulk doesn't necessarily have the same you know personality that maybe a smaller like jazz band would uh but it really gets across this immensity and this scale of of nature just coming down on you for me it's just purely the power of music like this is a good piece because it shows (laughs) it shows the power of each you know you remove the music from this this animation the animation is lesser because of it and you remove the animation from the music and 
to me also it's less because of it. Yeah. So it, it's a weird film to watch for me because I'm I'm so used to hearing music be placed against the picture. It's being placed to the picture. Whereas in this, you know, the animation is being put to the music. Yeah. And, you know, and there are examples of that in, in, in film music history. You know, you, you think about the, the sequence of Elliot flying over the moon in E.T. And Spielberg <laughs> just reshot that sequence against the music because it was so great. So, yeah, I think just t- because of that darkness aside, it, it is the perfect marriage of music and imagery. And that's exactly what this film was about to me. At least that's what it spoke to me. Well um, said. I, I think um, that is what it's about. Yeah. You know, I whether or not it was as clearly stated at the time, whether or not it was just like kind of a tech demo for Walt Disney and his animators and whoever wanted to have a hand in it at the time. And just in retrospect, in hindsight, we can kind of put this as a commentary on what the two disciplines can do for each other. Uh, it's, it's hard to say, but you'd be a fool to think that that wasn't that it doesn't say that. You know, you, you can't watch it and pretend that that's not a message. Yeah, its its significance is evident. It's it's obvious and plain for all to see. And Walt Disney, for him, this was kind of like a like a labor of love. And it was never as popular or as successful as he wanted it to be when it came out. But I think, you know, what it's grown into and how highly regarded it is now, I think it's really accomplished its goal. And I'm almost surprised I don't see this happening more. In what sense? What happening more? Like, he, they, they wanted Fantasia to be a Fantasia. They wanted it to be a new form of art, and who's who's done it since then? Yeah. Just not nearly as much as you might expect in the almost 80 years since then? Two movies? They're, they're the, By the same people? They're the Andy Warhol of animation. It's true. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that, and neither do you. No, I really don't. <laughs> sounded good in my head. Brothers, um, yeah. <laughs> no, I think the first film was maybe a little ahead of its time, and I think the second film was a little too late. Uh, yeah. yeah, I and it's not to say I. I mean, I I personally love Fantasia Two Thousand, but um, yeah, I think that there was a timing issue there. I do think as well that there is. In some circles, if you stay away from forums, there's more an appreciation and maybe existence of film music and soundtracks now. And so having having a film like this now, I think would be a good idea and I think would work well. As, as long as you, you know, included more, more modern pieces. Um, and I don't mean modern classical, you know, it could be jazz, it could be a pop arrangement without the voice, you know, so many things they could do. But... Yeah, I, I I think at the time, like 1940, I mean, who's this message to with soundtracks? Like, it, I think it works better as a message in 2018 than it did in 1940. <laughs> yeah, which is it, crazy because it's 80 years later. Yeah, I I think I agree with that, and I think that we maybe are ripe for something like that to happen again. Uh, the the example that's coming to my mind, it's not quite the same thing, but you see very old elements both in animation and in music. Um, have you ever played Cuphead? <laughs> Too much. Yeah. <laughs> Wallop. Um, yeah, Cuphead, you know, it's that old Max Fleischer style of animation, like Popeye and, and things like that, um, set to some really awesome, uh, set to some really awesome uh, kind of upbeat, old-timey, like, ragtime music. It's, it's yeah. you know, 
aesthetics come around again sometimes. Yeah, it's almost like it comes around to like a fad. It, it's like how disco is cool again. Saying it's not, you know it's not. I know it is. <laughs> you can dream, but I don't think that it is. Actually, it. Yeah, I, I feel that we. Just no, that don't comes give to it mind. to him. <laughs> He'll never shut up. <laughs> His favorite band is ABBA. What do you think Bruno Mars is doing? What do you think JT's up to these days? That's exactly what's going on. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'll take us off on a different track. I think the. <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> and that track is Dancing Queen by ABBA. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I think that for most people, it's... Uh, I can't... You throw me. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. Um, We're good at that. Serialization is something that is, you know, of huge debate, um, perhaps in, in the last couple of decades in terms of television. Um, you just don't get episodic television like you used to. And one thing that I that I love about this film is that I can watch it in stages. Yes. I can go to YouTube, ignore the YouTube Red adverts, and enjoy each <laughs> sequence. Proud tradition of stealing things from the internet. <laughs> so yeah i think you know from that standpoint um i like that you know I, even the intermission like it serves as a reminder it's like oh yeah i i can pause this and it would make sense because it's <laughs> it's lots of little stories you know um it's 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 more like an anthology in that sense and you don't get much of that these days so it's true usually i mean at least for me you know i i prefer to watch something all the way through i think most people are like that these days not if it's two and a half hours <laughs> I don't. Not if it's like, right yeah <laughs> i know i'm like oh, i think the modern like... movie is very much geared toward my attention span so part mm. of my lack of patience with fantasia was just because i'm used to a different length of it's movie. not that it was it's not that it was longer by length it just felt longer because a lot of times there wasn't anything to grab onto and yeah that's not true used to that sort i couldn't of... really sink into the story because there wasn't one coherent story you know i if i go to a concert like a classical concert hall i'm really engaged and riveted and listening for the first couple of songs and then i just sort of it kind of get, becomes a morass of sound same thing uh, yeah, unless, to me. Unless after 30 fami- minutes yeah unless you're familiar with those pieces it, there's there's nothing there yeah it's true yeah i mean i mean <laughs> i love classical music but after 30 minutes i'm like trying to stifle a cough like i'm <laughs> yeah <laughs> unless it's not involved nothing um, which you know honestly loop oh, yeah. 10 hours youtube i mean let's go <laughs> I, right, I like to it. listen to classical music like with liner notes with like oh here's here's the theme you can follow along with it like give, give me that bouncing ball that works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that we're pretty much done here. Uh, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we went for a while. So let's <laughs> let's make this a nice brisk exit. Um, thank you, for everyone, for joining us for our discussion on Fantasia. I hope you found it as enlightening as we found it boring. Um, <laughs> anyway. I, th- I, th- I think, you know, like, it, a good at least 50% of the pieces here were really good. Yeah, yeah. And, and a yeah. lot of the other ones were at least thinkers, even if they weren't, you know, entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a that's a, that's that's a ratio I'm comfortable with. Uh, Wend. Wend, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have, uh, would you like to plug your assorted properties? 
<laughs> yes. Only one for now. One is enough. <laughs> one is enough. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can head over to sightyoursoundtheater.com. That's T-H-E-A-T-R-E, spelled the British way or the French way. Um, <laughs> and yes, on there, you can find our podcast if you're interested in soundtracks or you, you know, you have a passing interest in soundtracks and would like to learn more, then um, take a look at our shows. And if you like Fantasia and you, you know, want to get your Disney fix from time to time, we also have another show called Mouse Music, where we will review some Disney films, typically from the Disney Renaissance um, up to now. Uh, we will also go into the parks and talk about the attractions. So if you're a pixie duster like us, then join the show and enjoy. Yeah, that's <laughs> highly recommended. It, it's really good, guys. Um, it's it's also like tightly edited. So if you've only listened to this podcast and want to know what like a podcast <laughs> that has their shit together sounds like, yeah. If you want to know what I sound like, good. Uh, go, <laughs> no, no, thank you for if, saying if that. If you can believe it. this, Wen sounds even more proper on that podcast than he did in this one. Um, and uh, but it yeah, is thanks, a delight, thanks, and man. we were very happy to have somebody of your expertise and talents on here. So thank you very much for thank you sharpening us through this. And we're looking forward to that Space Jam episode. We will we will write in with comments for that one. Oh, we'll oh, come on we for that love one. James Newton Howard. <laughs> we so, will force yeah. our way on. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, obviously, if you ever want to come back, or if uh, Will ever wants to come on, you are welcome to. And if you'd like to have us on, we would be happy to come. That's great. No, we'd love that. Yeah, we'll definitely share a link to this episode and podcast on our feed. I think a lot of people will get a kick out of this. Cool. Well, we uh, we are going to close out our podcast now. Uh, Next up is our uh, fourth annual Cartoni Awards. Yes. It's that time again. It's true. Uh, you are forbidden from commenting on it because we won't read them because we already recorded it. But if you want to shout into the ether, <laughs> go ahead and tell us about it on Facebook, what you would have liked for to show up on uh, fourth annual Cartoni Awards. We will ignore it. Ben, we should have a segment where we read comments that we obtained from the ether, just sort of guessing. I don't know what that means. And then after that... <laughs> We will, uh, it is my pick. So, yeah, what are we uh, doing? Starting off, starting off a new year, we are going to, uh, watch a classic, um, that we haven't talked about much at all The Wild Thornberries. Yes! I love that oh, show. We're going back to Supo Town, where everything's lumpy. We're, we're going back to good old Klasky Cusipo. Man. Uh, we're getting Tim Curry in his f- finest role. Yeah, I can't uh, wait to see that Supo Man. And, uh, yeah, just a really interesting show about talking to animals. I have real mixed feelings about it. Um, The meme status of Nigel Thornberry (laughs) is off the charts, (laughs) while also having the most irritating supporting cast in recent memory. Ben, would you say that it's smashing? Mm, They're jolly good. (laughs) I can't remember how he talks. I assume that this was pretty offensive to you, and sorry about that. Yeah, that is exactly how we speak yeah. all the time in England. I can confirm. I'm going to put your whole track through a modulator so that it comes out like that. <laughs> As Nigel Thornberry? <laughs> oh my god, the technology need, can't come fast enough. I, I assume that whenever anyone in uh, England is in the witness protection program and they have to have like a voice modulator on, that's what it comes out as. <laughs> <laughs> it's true no we're not as sophisticated as our accent suggests um, <laughs> most of us are, are brain dead <laughs> that, that's why you guys have cultivated the cockney accent to you know keep the lie going like don't pay attention right, to us. Yeah. Think about, just look at those yokels over there <laughs> all right well it sounds like we got some fun stuff coming up the pipe i'm very excited to talk about wild thornberries um until next time uh, I guess we'll probably ride out on just Sorcerer's Apprentice again. Do you got any? Th- <laughs> I 
Uh, up yours, Mickey. Uh, when if you have a uh, if you have a final thoughts if you have like a bon mot to write out on then uh, we'll, we'll be a happy to rejoinder. Do it. Yeah. Um, no, I'm out. I've I've reached my count. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Have a good night on Bald Mountain, everybody. I was thinking Bald Night, Bald Night on Bald Mountain as well. <laughs> Ooh, Bald Night on Bald Mountain. <laughs> bald Night. Bald Night mountain. on Mountain. I'm gonna paint the picture of Bald Night on Mountain. <laughs> it's <laughs> far great. less majestic. <laughs> good night. And we're going to ride out on uh, by Wendell Jones and William Dodson. Uh, this is the first track from Green Hill Manor. <laughs> 